This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey gang, what's going on? Great to have you with us. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets continuing their all-star break. Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey getting some sun and hopefully fun down in South Florida. And uh, we're officially on the NHL all-star break after a couple games in the league last night. Um, Lots to get to today, though. Jets at the break. Some very interesting Jets playoff and Stanley Cup odds from some of the number crunchers out there. And um, pretty wild night last night when it comes to the number one prospect in the NHL draft. But also the young man here in Winnipeg, Zach Benson, that will hear his name called very early in that as well. We'll get to all of that as well as I'm sure a little football talk because Rewiki's Eagles and my Chiefs are going head-to-head in the Super Bowl a week Sunday. Brandon's going to jump on with us a little bit later on and uh, really looking forward to uh, chopping it up with Murata Tesh coming up first up today. And, you know, considering we've got a little bit more time with some downtime with the uh, local hockey squad, we figured today would be a great time to look ahead to baseball season. We're going to welcome in the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Greg Taggart, to the show. Find a little bit more about the new skipper for the fish and uh, look ahead to baseball season. So it should be real fun. Welcome to everyone. If you're uh, new around here, welcome to the show. Hit that red subscribe button if you're watching with us on YouTube. And of course, shout out to all the podcast listeners for making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of your day. Uh, Before we get going and get Michael Remus in here, Got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and we'll get to a why not question of the day with our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Michael Remus, what's going on? Hey, sorry, I'm texting. I missed a text, Brandon, uh, coming around 2, but I wrote 10, so I think he thought I meant ten in 10 minutes. And I'm like, oops, sorry, sorry. Uh, like 2, two, two but that's what's going on. Trying to, you know, trying to doing the show. Um, feeling good. Trying to stay warm. I got the hoodie on today. My coffee, you know, is hot, so, because it's, it's rough out there, man. Dude, it is. It is right now. For any of you that are tuning in to reconnect with Winnipeg from wherever you are that's not Winnipeg right now. It's brutal outside right now. Extreme cold warning in effect. I'm looking right now. Our current conditions, minus 26 Celsius right now. Uh, We got a low tonight of minus 33. However, it is going to be getting generally better. Actually, this is awesome. I mean, as ugly as the minus 26 looks right like right now, minus 18 on Friday, minus 10 on Saturday, minus 7 on Sunday. And check this out, folks, for next week. Monday, minus 2, minus 4 Tuesday, minus uh, 5 Wednesday. So uh, we got to gut this out for the next couple of days. Um, good time to maybe reconnect uh, with family and friends now that the hockey's done for a little bit and um, maybe take care of a few things on that list. Uh, that being said, I think once we get to the weekend, people will be getting back outside, maybe taking advantage of the river trail 
and uh, doing some fun, uh, doing some fun activities outside. In the next 48 hours, probably not so much. All right, let's get to it, Reem. No, uh, well, there were two actually pretty interesting games last night in the National Hockey League. Um, the Boston Bruins beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, snapping that three-game losing streak and sticking it to the buds. And um, man, I thought the Buffalo Sabers had a great opportunity to get one over on the Carolina Hurricanes. Canes had just played the night before. Not so fast. Carolina flexing their muscles as one of the top teams in the NHL. And unfortunately, coming out of that Buffalo game, Tage Thompson injured, and he will not be participating in the NHL All-Star game, which I think is a real blow for the league, considering the star that he's turned out to be. That being said, I think Buffalo certainly had some other very, very worthy candidates and former number one overall pick Rasmus Dahlin who I think a good argument could be made should have been there already, will now be going to the All-Star game. So Buffalo will be represented, unlike Seattle. Yeah, that was a good move. I know a lot of Sabres fans unhappy that Rasmus Dahlin wasn't there, but uh, Thompson Hurt doesn't sound like it's going to be long-term, thankfully for them and Rasmus Dahlin. So yeah, they get a guy. Seattle doesn't have a guy. The All-Star festivities kind of underway. And we talked about that alumni game. Uh, yesterday at the end of the show, if you missed that conversation, I mean, you got you got to stay to the end because a lot of the best stuff happens at the end of the show. But um, they, what they have the skills competition tomorrow. We don't really know what you know Morrissey and Hellebuck are going to be doing yet. And they have some of these. You know, last year they had those crazy like on the strip one with the fountains at the Bellagio, and they had the blackjack shooting one. I think they got some stuff, a golf themed one, and an ocean. One, we'll have to wait and see what they, you know, what they look like. So we don't know what they are, but, um, you know, the Jets tweeting a nice picture of Hellebuck and Morrissey as All-Star Week is underway. Do you actually, I'm going to ask you, do you know what time Saturday the game is? I have no idea. Because I didn't know either. And I looked, I was like, because I was assuming, I thought it was going to be, you know, Friday night is the, you know, they're trying to make it entertainment, the skills competition. Saturday is the game. It's like 2.30 in the afternoon. I thought it was like a night hockey night in Canada. So they're really trying to get everyone in and out of there pretty quick. Uh, uh, Saturday afternoon all-star game. So, All well, right. I guess for TV? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, uh, listen, I mean, all of this will be done on TV as far as when's the best time for, uh, for people to see it. And um, listen, I mean, the all-star game right now, the way that it is, is something that, you know, I think you... You watch it if you happen to come across it, but I'm not sure it is appointment viewing for I mean, a good percentage of NHL fans. That being said, I mean, I am looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, especially with a couple of Winnipeg Jets in it. And there they are. Look at this. A little, uh, well, this isn't quite Miami Vice, uh, but J-Mo and uh, Helly looking pretty darn good in uh, those spiffy suits. I wonder if they got them at F Apparel. Um, the boys got the shades on and... Uh, and it has been neat seeing pictures from there with the uh, the big pictures of the players. Hellebuck's on some massive puck outside the rink that I've seen a few people, including the Jets, tweet out. And um, Josh Morrissey as well. So uh, it's going to be fun. It would be great to be down there soaking up a little bit of the sun. There's that big-ass puck with Hellebuck on it. Um, and it'll be fun seeing uh, a couple of the Jets do their thing. I'm actually looking more forward to the skills competition than I am the... Um, than I am the game itself. Although the game's fun, and I mean, I'm sure tomorrow we'll probably take a look at the rosters and maybe put a little sprinkle down on Cool Bet, have a little action on it. On it. So um, it will be fun. That being said, Remo, you know what's funny? There was two NHL games last night. 
And yet the biggest story, and I wouldn't be surprised if the most watched game was in fact a junior hockey game from the Western Hockey League. Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats taking on the Calgary Hitmen at the Saddle Dome sold out nearly 17,000 people. <clears throat> Excuse me. And national television coverage on TSN. And once again, this should come as no surprise to anybody. Connor Bedard did not disappoint. Thrilling fans. 44th goal of the season. The winner in the shootout. And... Um, I don't think any people really cared about what happened in that hockey game that we're watching. They just wanted to get a glimpse of 98, and um, he just keeps on doing some incredible things and further incentivizing the tank race in the National Hockey League and getting people very excited for this upcoming draft. Yeah, they sold out the Saddle Dome in Calgary for Connor Bedard. Um, you know, TSN, not too much NHL competition. There was a Leafs game. They lost to Boston. So they pulled out all the stops with the full broadcast teams, you know, studio team for this uh, junior hockey game. And I'll be honest, I you like to see the spotlight on junior hockey because a lot of times it's just like world juniors and then, you know, maybe you don't really pay attention. So for a regular season junior game on TSN to get that kind of spotlight with Connor Bedard, um, pretty impressive. And I think, you know, the Connor Bedard was here earlier in, in November against the ice, but I don't think it got as much fanfare that he's getting right now after that performance in the World Juniors. And the numbers that he's putting up, incredible. I mean, the move and the shootout uh, oh. is just fantastic. I mean, he's scoring. He's got the shot that you can score from anywhere. Uh, this guy's a very good player. And, yeah, you have to wonder if some teams are going to be looking to trade early, like uh, maybe the Canucks, to increase their chances. Whatever you can increase it, do it. It's because the possibility of getting him will change your franchise. Yeah, well, and as I mentioned right off the bat, it wasn't the only junior hockey game. Certainly it got the most attention. Um, but a team that is far superior to either Calgary or Regina was playing at home at Max Bell at the Ice Cave in the Winnipeg Ice. Um, they were down 2 nothing. They scored three goals in 321 in the second period and came back with a 5-3 win over the Saskatoon Blades. And what was interesting, Reem, is that you know, as everyone was um, drooling over Bedard on national TV, Zach Benson, who will be hearing his name called after Bedard, but very early in the first round, had an absolute highlight real goal going through most of the Saskatoon Blades um, to score an absolute highlight real goal as the ice improved to 36-6-1. and And I got to say, I was thinking about this last night while watching the game. This ice team is so good, is so talented. And, you know, part of it is the market with so much focus on the Winnipeg Jets. The fact that you've also got a Moose fan base and the Moose are playing in a much, much better rank and obviously have Winnipeg Jet prospects that might connect to average fans a little bit more. But it is really too bad right now that this rink never got built and the Winnipeg Ice are having this incredible season playing out at Max Bell. And listen, I know the group there at 50 Below has done a great job at doing everything that they could to make it the uh, the best home possible for the Western Hockey League team. But on a night like last night where there's nothing else going on, Reem, um, I couldn't help but think that if the situation was different for the Winnipeg Ice and they had a better home that was a little bit more certainly central, um, eh, just a better spot to watch hockey, that 
you know, the ice would be in a different situation right now in the city of Winnipeg. Because, you know, unfortunately, as great as this team is, I mean, it's not like it's tough to get into the ice cave. There's a lot of people, frankly, missing out on one of the best junior hockey teams around in years. Um, and a big part of it is that where they're playing and um, – you got to hope that that changes at some point soon. You got the standings right up there for folks on the podcast. The ice, 73 points, first in the Eastern Conference, three points up on Red Deer with four games in hand and an incredible number in the loss column. I mean, basically, you're better than the Boston Bruins this year, Remo. Six losses in regulation, one in overtime in the entire year to go on with 36 wins. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And I will say the one question we would always get every, not every day, but like we talk about the ice. Someone's always asking when, when is the arena um, getting built? And, and with the update we would have is there is there's no update. So it ain't at, happening right now. They're playing. Yeah, they're playing at the ice cave. They're having this record season. We're gonna. I think when you get closer to playoffs and you're in the Memorial Cup playoffs, there will be more of a focus. But yeah, I think if you wanted to see some, you know, pretty solid junior hockey, I would recommend checking it out. We did have people you know, asking us, it's talking about junior hockey, uh, about uh, Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius. I know Chaz Lucius was just named Player of the Week. He's on fire. And the WHL. He had 11 um, points in his first four games. I think four goals, seven assists yeah. in his first four games and was Player of the Week in the WHL. Unfortunately, Brad Lambert, I don't know what's going on, but he doesn't have a work visa right now, and he still is not playing for uh, for his team. Yeah, um, I thought that he did come back and score a point. I thought I saw that. Um, I'll have to. He said, oh, yeah, there's Phyllis has got into the U.S., had visa issues, so I'll have to look into look into that um, for sure. Yeah, we've been waiting on uh, waiting on Brad Lambert to get his start, and it's been, I'm sure, a little bit frustrating for him right now. I mean, at, at a certain point, if that doesn't get fixed, you wonder if he um, doesn't find somewhere else to uh, to play. One bird in chat says, no way, us, not enough dollars here. It was minus 100 outside. You're a dreamer. Well, I'm not sure what I'm dreaming. I mean, the bottom line is, if the ice were in a better rink in a better situation, there'd be more people there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And... Uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is, if you're talking about dollars, the ice is without a doubt the most affordable ticket in town when we talk about, you know, the Jets, the Moose, and, um, you know, in the Winnipeg ice. So um, all I'll say is this. If you haven't gotten out there and watched them, make a point of doing it because it is well worth it. And this team um, is capable of some real special things. And I... I I mean, we were out there at the playoffs last year, and it was really fun. The place was packed. Um, but, man, I mean, you look around, and again, it's a tough to compare to Calgary playing in that building. Um, and I know people, oh, can they not play at the Canada Life Center? Well, there's a lot of other things going on. There's two teams that call that building home. So um, it is not that easy. I have no idea about whether that would be a possibility at some point if the other teams weren't playing. Maybe that would be on the table. Um, I'm not really too sure how those two groups work together, if they have in the past or not. Um, but the bottom line is right now, the ice are definitely worth the price of admission. And if you haven't had a chance to get out there and do it, um, do it before um, some of those players like uh, Savoy is off in the National Hockey League. Carson Lambos is off in the National Hockey League. Connor McLennan. And... Um, We'll see what happens with Zach uh, Zach Benson. I mean, he's going to be a top pick in the draft next uh, this year, uh, but I think would likely be back for one more year of junior and probably a starring role 
on Canada's junior team at the World uh, at the World Junior Championships. Here, I'll just butt in for a sec. Yeah, Brad Lambert, people in chat uh, informing me, and I thought this was correct. Uh, he's played played the last two games. He's got uh, officially three points in three games with Seattle so far. Good, so he's good. He's yeah, underway. The wait with is them. over, and he's back mm -hmm. in. Um, that was sort of weird. That, uh, but I guess you know, a Finnish player, Canada, first time in the states, uh, does take a, take a little bit of time. Um, so, anyways, there was some interesting junior hockey happenings last night, uh, as uh, all eyes on Connor Bedard and the upcoming NHL draft. I want to get to this remote. Jet fans are going to love this. Take this for what it's worth. Um, there are a number of models, um, you know, analytic models that take in a whole bunch of information and crank out. Things like playoff probability, odds to win the Stanley Cup. And the one that, well, the one that we certainly support the most is Money Puck. Because Money Puck really seems to like the Winnipeg Jets. Um, this is just put out today at the All-Star break. And the, uh, the way that this is described, it's just the playoff odds going into the All-Star break. And you've got a number for each team. To make the playoffs, to make the second round, to make the third round, to make the finals, and to win the cup. And I'll be honest, this was quite eye-opening to me, but uh, there's a lot of love from the numbers on the Winnipeg Jets. We'll start off at the top. The most likely team to win the cup by the money puck model is the Carolina Hurricanes who have a 12.5% chance to win it all. Surprisingly, the number two team on the money puck model is the Edmonton Oilers, 11.9%. You're probably wondering, well, wait a second, what about the Boston Bruins that have been the best team all season long? Don't worry, they're there. But they're in third, 10.1%. And I think certainly part of that, um, part of that has to be attributed to the path just to get out of that division with the Leafs, with the Lightning, I mean, three very, very good teams that are all pretty much locked into playoff spots. Um, and then obviously probably Carolina waiting. The West is so much more wide open, which I think is a big reason why uh, Edmonton has that 11.9. But I'll tell you what, Remo, I was not expecting to get to the fourth team on the list just behind the Boston Bruins at 9.7% to win the Stanley Cup and it'd be the Winnipeg Jets. And that's exactly what Money Puck's cooking up for us. Yeah, a lot of people asking questions like, how could the Bruins, who are having this historic season, have worse odds than Edmonton? And I, I agree. I think it's, it's because of the division. I mean, Boston's going to have to play Tampa or Toronto in round two. And then you probably have to play a tough opponent from, uh, what, the what Metro division in the, in the final. And Edmonton, I think the Pacific division isn't very good. So it, it makes sense. And they also do have Honor McDavid. So I think if you're looking at this, you know, regardless of, you know, throw away the last five Jets games, they're still in a pretty damn good position here. 97.1% in the playoffs. You ought to feel good about that. And 9.7 to win the Cup as per money puck. So, I mean, we'll have to see. And we're kind of just waiting now has until the trade deadline here. Um, you know, I, I'm expecting some moves because when the Jets are in a playoff spot, moves are made by the team. So I did see, who was it? Chris Johnson on his podcast throughout that the Jets are generally quiet. Well, I don't think that's accurate, quiet when they're in a playoff spot. So um, we got, we're almost, we're one month and one day away 
from the deadline. So the trade speculation, let's just keep it, have it continue. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> exactly. I think that's uh, that is well said. I, just back to this for a minute. Yeah. So 97.1% to make the playoffs for the Jets by these numbers. 60% to make it to the second round. 36.5% to make it to the third round. And 19.2% to make it to the cup final. And 9.7% to win the whole thing. I'd have to think that the wide open nature of the uh, of the West is sort of really even these things out. I mean, just to give you a perspective on other teams in the West, what's really interesting, and I they must be weighting it heavily on what we've seen so far this year, because the Avalanche have, geez, by I, I can't, there's not even a number on it because the slice is so small, but it's probably looking like a two or three percent chance to win the whole thing, six point six chance to win the win the West. Um, the Dallas Stars are at 8.1. This is to this is to get out of the West. 8.1%. Minnesota 7.2. But the Jets 19.2. I mean, they by these numbers, they have a better chance than Dallas, Nashville, and Minnesota combined. Um, and I'm sure goaltending is a big, big part of that as well. Um, but also the path uh, to it. As far as making the playoffs numbers go. Uh, with that loss to the Jets on Monday, I think we can pretty much say the St. Louis Blues are done. They're at 2.6%. The Nashville Predators at 31%. Um, and a team that's done very, very well so far this year, but has had real goaltending issues, the LA Kings, only 64.8% to make the playoffs, while Vegas is at 82 And the Calgary Flames are at 843 And the Kraken at 956 So... Um, I think it's quite clear that goaltending is heavily, heavily factored into this because the Kings have had a great run, a great season. They're in a really good spot right now, and that number really does seem low. And I think maybe at first glance, these Jets numbers seem a bit high, but Connor Hellebuck, I think, is a big reason for that. And compare that, Remo, to those cool bet lines we talked about going into the season. The Jets, plus 160 just to make the playoffs, and 80-1. to 1 to win the cup, that number went to 50, it went to 40, it went to 35, and now the Jets are at 24 to 1, actually for the first time all season with a better uh, with better odds of, uh, of winning it than the Minnesota Wild, who were at 25 to 1. So, um, you know, this is a really fascinating thing. Take it for what it's worth. It's a computer model. Um, it certainly doesn't guarantee anything. Um, but there's a lot of underlying numbers that say that the Winnipeg Jets are for real and will be a very tough out once we get to playoff time. Yeah, and again, this is why we keep saying they got to go and add and try to increase those chances by adding some more talent, whether it be on the blue line or you know the middle six forward, which we've been talking about. So we'll see. And I do want to talk about LA goaltending. Did they go out and acquire a goaltender to fix that? Uh, I think it was Elliot was on uh, the Jeff Merrick show saying, you know, he thought they would be a fit to acquire Thatcher Demko if Vancouver looks to trade him. Funny, one other team, I see people mentioning this chat. Um, I'm surprised at these low odds, 82% to make the playoffs. Vegas got off to that hot start, Huss, and now Mark Stone out indefinitely with a back injury. And how is that going to impact the trade deadline? Will be the Jets be competing uh, with them 
to add some players. Because remember, the Jets were competing with them when they traded for Mark Stone a couple of years ago. So Vegas, but, okay, they're always can I pretty... talk about this for a second? Yeah. That is an absolute red herring. I've seen a lot of people say the Jets lost the Mark Stone sweepstakes a couple of years ago. I, no one else was even in the Mark Stone sweepstakes, folks. Everybody connected around the National Hockey League knew damn well that Mark Stone was going to the Vegas Golden Knights as a free agent in the summer. Uh, I think most teams, you know, if they were going to get Mark Stone and pay the price that was paid, wanted to know that he could be signed. That wasn't happening here. And, I mean, it, it's a narrative that I still see get thrown out before. Um, that was never happening. It was Vegas. It was only Vegas. It was always Vegas. And that's why Ottawa did the deal with Vegas because they knew that was the only team that Mark Stone would be signing with. And, you know, they got what they got for him. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot of revisionist history <laughs> around on that. But I've seen some people throwing shots at the Jets and even other teams about Mark Stone. It was a, That was a one-horse race for Mark Stone's services Everyone in the National Hockey League knew it, and that was why it went out that way. That being said, you mentioned Mark Stone, Reem. Um, yeah, back surgery a couple days ago, out indefinitely. And uh, it will be fascinating to see whether Mark Stone can get it together and play for the playoffs. I mean, I know there's probably some people with their spidey senses tingling going, hmm, is this a little Kucherov operation by the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, maybe it is, but here's something that should be taken into account. Vegas started off 13-2 and two in their first 15 games. They were 11 games above 500. They're 11 games above 500 right now. They've essentially been an NHL 500 team since the beginning of November, and um, that is, that's not good enough. And if that continues, they might be in a very precarious position when it comes to, uh, to the playoffs. So we'll get to all of that. I'm interested on Marat's thoughts on these money puck numbers. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well as the uh, the end of uh, the first 52 games and look ahead. Just before we do that, um, we don't need to get back into the weather forecast or the current conditions, but I think, as you all know, it is damn cold right now, and there's probably a few of you that are dealing with an iffy car and an iffy battery. Now is the time, folks, to take advantage of the best service in the business with Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery. You need a new battery? You're going to save time and save money because Manitoba Battery will deliver it to you anywhere in the city same day if you order by 3 p.m. Now, if you're out, you're wondering about the life of the battery, you can always pop by and see them in person at 1026 Logan Avenue. Pop in there for the best selection, best prices on batteries of all shapes and sizes. But if you're stuck right now and you know it's time for a new one, Give them a call, Manitoba Battery, Logan Avenue, or get that order in at manitobabattery.com, and they'll have it to you same day. If you get your order in by 3 p.m., you'll get the best price in town, and you'll be shopping local with our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Um, February is here. We'll be announcing our January Unsung Hero in the next couple days with our friends at Wallace & Wallace and, of course, Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Uh, but right now... Think about that person in your community that is making a difference to uh, those that need it, whether it, whether it's through extensive charity work, whether it is through long hours of volunteering in different aspects of the community, 
or whether it's that person that's just there for neighbors and consistently helps those on the block that maybe need it. Send us your nominations to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Our monthly winner will receive a autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in honor of the nominator from the WST crew. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. So $1,000 to the Dream Factory and a great honor for us to honor the unsung heroes in the community, get those nominations in unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. And while we gut out these uh, next couple days of this extreme cold, don't worry, the snow will eventually melt. We'll be outside. You'll be in your backyard. You'll be enjoying it. And you're probably already thinking about maybe some projects for the summer. Well, Consolidated Supply is the place to go to check out all of your options when it comes to irrigation for your property, artificial turf options. Maybe thinking about that dream putting green in the backyard. Spicy and Joe can help you out with that. Not to mention outdoor and indoor hot tubs or maybe an outdoor kitchen for your property. Get those ideas moving and uh, get planning on it right now. Pop down 1395 Niaqua Road East is where Consolidated Supply is. Open to the public. Pop down and see the guys. Or you can find out more on their website at cte.ca. And just before we uh, bring Marat in, uh, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you'll find them all at the one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936 with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. And hey, don't forget, battling colds and sore throat, everyone's doing it right now, but it's never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's uh, get Marat in here for a little mid-season chat. Marat, what's going on? You staying warm? Staying warm, staying cozy. Um, got the toque on, got my feet up. Uh, you know, I'm enjoying the all-star break life. Yeah, the uh, I think we'd be enjoying it more if we were having this conversation potentially where the All-Star Game is happening, considering our current conditions right now. But it is a great time to um, kind of look back and look ahead on, um, on, on this Winnipeg Jets season so far. Before we do that, though, um, I'm interested to just to get, and you'll be a good one to explain this. Um, we were talking about these money puck playoff odds, and we're just looking at the pie chart, and... I mean, I think we've talked about how wide open the West is. Um, there's plenty of opportunities, and that's why I think there's a lot of excitement about what the Winnipeg Jets might do in and around the trade deadline. But, Marat, looking at these numbers, the Winnipeg Jets, by this model, have the fourth best odds to win the Stanley Cup at 9.7% and a 19.2% chance to represent the West in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, again, this is one company, is one individual's model right now. But, I mean, talk to us a bit about what goes into these sort of numbers, how they come, uh, how, how, they're, um, how they arrive at these numbers, and, uh, and, and what, how we should look at them and what we, we can take from them. 
Yeah, I, I mean, happy to dive in. I, and I should start by saying I don't know exactly uh, how Money Puck puts that together. I haven't looked specifically at that at that chart. Um, but my guess is because, you know, that's a site that tracks things like, you know, its own model for expected goals. It has goals saved above expected in terms of how goaltenders perform. So they have metrics that are measuring, you know, the flow of play in terms of expected goals and the scoring chances that teams create. They have metrics that model goaltending. So, you know, they can give Winnipeg proper credit for Connor Hellebuck being one of the absolute best. And my guess is, is what the model does is it goes through the schedule game by game and assigns probabilities on any given night that the Jets or whichever team are going to win from here down through the stretch. And likely what it concludes is that Winnipeg is a good team with a great goaltender a great record. So, okay, you can almost definitely see them in the playoffs. Those odds are going to be really quite high. Um, and then the quality of the West, like you alluded to, probably not there. Uh, the one thing that I would guess if Money Puck really, really, really likes the Jets from, you know, from the West is that it's looking at this season predominantly. And I don't know that, but I assume because if it bakes in priors, you know, the last couple of seasons for a more thorough sample, it might remember the Colorado Avalanche being just an absolute juggernaut and give them credit for results that maybe they haven't achieved throughout this season yet. But I think everybody believes that they can get to all of this to say, like how to interpret that. The Jets are good. They're one of many teams in the West that have a chance. And the West isn't seen as the murderer's row that the East is or the West used to be. So I think good teams with a reasonable track record this season are probably going to be looked at by that model and many as decent bets, not just to win the cup, but probably to get through the West and, and give themselves, you know, that 50-50 odds in the cup final as well. Whereas, you know, Toronto's got to go through Tampa Bay and then Boston and then whatever else is going to, going to happen in the East. What do I take home from it? I mean, just continue to believe if you're a Jets fan, there are reasons to believe that the team is real, despite this, the most recent struggles over the course of the season. They've been pretty good by anybody's model. And I think that that's what's being reflected here. Hey, I got to give a quick shout out to a disgruntled wheat in the chat. Thanks for becoming a supporter of WST DW. Uh, and a shout out to Cowboy as well, who I know jumped on that one uh, yesterday. Thanks you so much. We appreciate everyone uh, that's a member and a supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Back to those numbers. The, the, my first glance, and again, I'm with you. I don't know everything that um, they cook into these numbers. But considering the difference just in the division, comparing the Jets to the Dallas Stars, to the Minnesota Wild teams that are right there with them, you'd have to think that one of the key factors in this is the guy in net. And uh, I would think that Connor Hellebuck is a true. We've talked a lot about difference makers over the last little bit, Marat. Um, when you're putting together playoff probabilities, ability to beat teams over seven-game series, I'd imagine goaltending is a major, major influence in these numbers. Yeah, I assume that it is, especially because Money Puck, you know, publishes its own goal saved above expectation sort of model. And if I remember correctly, Hellebuck has been among the leaders for the entirety of the season. Certainly, I think I think he's maybe fourth by their model right now. And, you know, I could imagine UC Saros looks good. I could imagine other other players are, are up there. But there's been no doubting that that Connor Hellebuck has been an elite goaltender throughout the season, a viable Vezina candidate, to be sure. 
um, getting a little bit better defending, maybe not necessarily in the last couple of weeks, but throughout most of the season. And he's being Connor Hellebuck, which means he's being one of the absolute best. So I have no doubt that, yeah, that that's a substantial portion of things. Might also be part of why they don't like Colorado as much if they don't believe in Gorgiev's or Georgiev's season thus far. Um, you know, there there are reasons to think that Hellebuck, give, Hellebuck gives Winnipeg a unique advantage. And I think that passes the common sense test too, doesn't it? I mean, having watched the guy for as many seasons as we have, if you're going to bet on anybody, uh, Connor Hellebuck's a pretty darn good guy to to make that bet upon. What um, We've spent all year talking about how incredible the Boston Bruins are. And granted, they are in... Uh, they have a, a hellacious path. I mean, regardless of who they play in that first round, I mean, to play the winner, presumably, of Toronto and Tampa in round two, and then potentially the Carolina Hurricanes in round three, uh, it's certainly a daunting path. But they've been better than everybody this year. But interestingly enough, it's in fact the Carolina Hurricanes who have the best chance by the numbers, both in the East and overall, to win the Cup. Um, again, it's quite close. Boston's at 10.1%. Um, but I was a little surprised that Boston wasn't here and everyone else was here just by what we've seen so far this season. Yeah, it's probably then not doing a an odds based 100% on the quality of the team. It's probably projecting the schedule and the standings and what that playoff bracket is going to look like. And, you know, in hockey, even, you know, enormous favorites, it, it's it's not like, you know, a favorite is a 90% lock to win a series. Sometimes that's 60-40 or 70-30 in some extreme cases. So if Boston has to go through whomever in the first round, and then Tampa and Toronto are playing against each other in that first round for the right to meet Boston, its path is hard. Its path is hard. Even if it's you know a three, 75% favor, favorite in both of those series, well, they've got an awful lot of quality that, it's gotta, that they've got to play against too that's going to eat away at their odds of making it all the way through. And I, I think that's just, it's just a testament, I think, to the quality of the East and the difficulty in 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 predicting any one of those teams to go through. Same thing, I, I bet you, if, if I'm interpreting this correctly, and I'm, uh, I'm guessing here, but I bet that Toronto and Tampa Bay look artificially low as well, partially because they just have to run into each other, and then Boston, uh, based on how the bracket's going to lay out. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting in that, you know, they obviously, this model likes the Leafs a lot because it gives the Leafs 8.9% chance to win the Cup and the Lightning 6.9%. Uh, and essentially, the first round, I guess their numbers favor the Leafs a little bit. I certainly don't think they take in history into account in this one to get out of the first <laughs> round. Um but at 53% and uh, just about 47% for Tampa. Um, the fact of the matter is both of those teams probably might have better numbers, but the fact of the matter is they're going up against each other in the first round and then presumably have the Boston Bruins waiting for them in the next uh, in the next one. I, I did, I've watched the Hurricanes the last two nights. Um, you know, they played that, that big comeback against the Kings on uh, Tuesday night, I guess, and they had a really thorough beating of the Buffalo Sabres, who've been playing very, very well last night. And, you know, the Canes, the Canes in some ways are sort of like the Jets in that, you know, we don't see them on national TV very often. I mean, they very rarely come through the West. They're playing on that other conference. But holy smokes, is that team deep. Rod Brindamore has, you talk about establishing a system and getting buy-in from the club. Um, they really are a problem right now. And unlike Boston and Tampa and Toronto, 
they're in a division that I think would be thought of as lesser when it comes to what's happening over there with uh, those those uh, those other three teams I just mentioned. Um and certainly ready for a long playoff run, and a team that's come very close in the past but has just fallen short to very quality teams that have gone all the way in the East. Yeah, I mean, that's a team that I think models have liked for a really long time in terms of just how much Carolina can control a game. I mean, you watch them forecheck. They're probably the best forechecking team in the NHL, if not among the very best. They can, you know, they can beat you any different combination of ways. They're as deep as you say. I think they've done a really good job too of using their full staff, including the analytics team, to figure out which pieces across the NHL are going to be a fit in that system that you describe. And I think, was it the second round that Carolina played against Boston this most recent playoffs as well? I, you know, I remember watching um, whether that was exactly when it happened or not, but Boston against Carolina this last spring. And in terms of just how these two teams could create chances, how they could control the flow of play. Like, you know, last year we watched the Jets pass it back to the point and, and, and try to get traffic to the net and they'd shoot and maybe it would work and maybe it didn't. But teams like Carolina and Boston both in that series or when they played against each other, they had different, I, I don't want to call them set plays, but they had roots from the blue line that would get the puck into the high slot. They had roots off either wall that would move the puck you know, whether it was uh, down low and then back into the middle, up high and into the middle. They had so many different ideas for how to get the puck into those most dangerous areas of the ice, the middle, the center slot, in front of the net, that teams, that they were just a handful. And Carolina, I think, is amongst the best at doing that. Boston deserves credit for that. Toronto's pretty good at that too, especially because of the elite talent in certain ways. And I just think that that's by design with a team like Carolina. And I wondered if Boston would be able to be good again this season because I thought that Cassidy had an awful lot to do with their systemic success. Jim Montgomery's obviously gone in there and had a tremendous impact as well. So that team, I mean, there are just so many teams when you watch them in the East, you're, you you look at them and you're say, and it's clear, like that looks like what winning a hockey should be played like. And so, yeah, plenty of faith in Carolina as long as they can get their goals and their goaltending via finishing. And certainly they don't have Connor Hellebuck in that. Um, the, the top team in the West by these numbers is the Edmonton Oilers um, to win. The Jets are number two. Um, and when I think of Edmonton, I think of two of the best players in the world. And uh, much like I think Connor Hellebuck maybe boosts the Jets numbers, I guess when you've got a Connor McDavid who can throw him out, he does exactly that along with Leon Dreisaitl. But the Oilers have been a very flawed team. I think there's major question marks about their blue line and their goaltending. Um, but when it comes down to it, Connor McDavid can um, boost the chances of uh, of a team certainly by a model, and it makes sense that they do that. I'm maybe not as sold on them going all the way in the playoffs. So we saw what the Jets did them a couple years ago in that four game sweep. But what do you think make of the Oilers right now at this point in the season, where they're at, where they're trending, and what they're capable of once we get to the playoffs? Yeah, that's a great question, because I think depending on how you weigh things, whether you're going through a model or just your own view of how hockey is played, Edmonton is a it's like a it's a fascinating case study. Right. I mean, are you assuming Connor McDavid plays 28 minutes a night in the playoffs like he might? You know, are you assuming that he and Dreisaitl um, play together as they did during Winnipeg's sweep or apart as they did for most of game one when Edmonton actually dominated the flow of playing game one, but Connor Hellebuck was Connor Hellebuck. You know what I mean? Like there are, 
there are different ways to go about solving that puzzle. And, and I know some of their key play drivers, like an Evander Kane, have missed substantial periods of time. I don't know how to estimate their goaltending because there's question marks to be sure, but each goalie has played well in moments. Um, so I wonder if if part of why the, a model would like them even more than the Jets might be a reflection of division. Maybe they're underselling Vegas. I'm not sure um, you know, how they're projecting an Edmonton Oilers path to be the, the single best odds in the West. If it's because of a lower quality of field, an easier route, if they think McDavid's playing 30 a night, if they think goaltending is going to be a strength as opposed to a question mark, or or how um, how many recent – is it just this season, or are they counting maybe last season as well, where after the Oilers got Kane, they were a bit of a juggernaut down the stretch. They were, they were quite a quality team, even beyond just that one player. Um, so I don't know. I, I see enough soft spots that I believe a playoff team would be able to figure out how to beat the Edmonton Oilers, but maybe, you know, maybe that's outdated and McDavid is just on that kind of season. I, I really don't know. That's a fascinating question. Well, and, and I mean, I think no one does. I mean, these numbers will tell us exactly that. I mean, there's a, a pretty broad difference between a number of teams that, you know, and some look a little bit better than others. I mean, I think it is surprising when you look at the Jets having a better chance than Dallas and Minnesota combined, I think is a bit of an eye opener, but uh, most Jet fans I'm sure will be here for it. Let's talk about the team now at the break. Um, listen, there's some good news and bad news to talk about since we've last played. The bad news was pretty much the entire week. The good news was the third period in uh, the Josh Morrissey show on Thursday. Why don't we start with that? Um, the goal the emotional reaction getting both the team and the crowd going and the way the team and the crowd followed Josh Morrissey in that thrilling comeback on Monday night against St. Louis. I thought it was just uh, put the team on the back. This is what has to happen. I don't care how it's going to happen. Sort of like leadership display from Josh Morrissey. And I know some of Winnipeg's problems of late have been guys trying to do it themselves or what have you. But if, if you're going to make that rush, if you're going to make that play, you sort of have to hit your shot. And Josh Morrissey does that. He turns the game in Winnipeg's favor. And I think if anybody this season, other than maybe Connor Hellebuck, has a track record of, hey, I can make that special play and it's going to work, it's Josh Morrissey. It's exactly what he did. I think that the the real – there are two things that I really focus on about that display for me. One is the degree to which a guy like Mark Shifley in the postgame was willing to say – you know what? Josh Morrissey led the way. He's been fantastic. He's been freaking fantastic all season. But, you know, when he made that play, we needed to believe that we could take it to a team. And that's what was happening. I thought that if Winnipeg's leaders are looking to him as leadership, that is a special moment where where a guy who's walked the walk, said all of the right things, is a thoughtful speaker, has done all of that, has all of that impact and then put the team on the on his back so much so that the other guys with letters are saying, yeah, he, he led the way. I thought that that was really special. Another thing I thought was noteworthy, it was like it was a real focal point. You know, he spoke in a scrum, Morrissey did, on Friday before that 4 nothing you know, horrible game against Philadelphia. And there was tension there. And, you know, some of us reporters had talked about it, uh, you know, in the days since then, where... In a scrum, for example, you know, I just spoke to Blake Wheeler. I was talking about, uh, hey, you guys have about 40 games of really great video. Does that give you more confidence to that you can find your identity, get back to the script, you know, even though you've been struggling of late? 
And, you know, Wheeler seemed to accept the premise or entertain it and think his way through it. So I threw that question to Josh Morrissey. And, you know, as I'm saying, you know, 40-odd games, a good video, you know, compared to last season where that might not have been the case, he got a little bit, I don't want to say defensive, but he took issue with the concept or the premise. Uh, He asked, well, wait, are you saying that we haven't been good for like the last 10 games or so? And I say, okay, yeah, well, yeah, actually, since about Vancouver, Detroit that week, it looked like that's when the quality dropped off, in my view, anyway. And he said, okay, okay, well, it's a long season. And he gave he gave a defense of his team and his teammates, reminding us all that they had done a lot of quality things. He pointed at the schedule a little bit, but didn't lean on it too much. And throughout the rest of that scrum, there was a sense of, like, he wanted to just put his elbows out a little bit, protect his teammates, protect the message, and remind us all that there were a quality team that believed in itself. And that, I think, between that and the Saturday night booze, put those two things together in a pressure cooker, then send him up the ice, winning, like with the Jets winning that puck, he flies into the offensive zone, he looks off Morgan Barron, he wires a shot past Jordan Bennington that takes Bennington out of his game that had been phenomenal up until that moment. I think that's where that celebration comes from. There was tension, and that was the release. And I think when a guy like Morrissey is at the center of that, if he wants the captaincy deep down in his heart, I think that that was a defining moment in his season, in his career. Like, how far do we go down this? It was such a substantial moment of leadership to my point of view. And I just I can't get enough of, of that display. I thought it was a tremendous game and at a, such an important moment for Josh. A hundred percent, dude. And, and- and listen, it was somewhat out of character for Josh. Listen, he scored some big goals this year, and he's got down on one knee, and he celebrated. But we've never seen anything like that. I mean, straight up to the crowd, let's and go. And we can't forget the fact that they were getting booed again in that game. I mean, the power play was 0 for 6, and it wasn't, it wasn't that they were playing poorly. I mean, this was not the Philadelphia game. This was not the Buffalo game but the results weren't coming. And there was obviously a lot of impatience in the building and coming off what Bones had said about his difference makers in the booing on Saturday, there it was. And I thought it was very, very clever of Josh when he was talking about that and the booing. And he said, and we've deserved it at times. It was implied at that time that, you know, maybe that wasn't exactly fair. And this was a time where we need you guys with us, not against us. And, um, that one move, the five seconds after he scored that goal, completely turned around the atmosphere in the building. Certainly, I think if there were any fans that were getting frustrated, they completely did a 180. Um, and, you know, we've talking a lot about leadership. I mean, timing of making big plays and, and making a statement in in leadership, regardless of hockey, I mean, in politics, in life. That was one of the best examples of that I could ever see. And, I mean, I tweeted out, and this certainly wasn't a unique thought. We're looking at the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets right now. You can wait if you want till next September to do it before next season. But it was pretty clear that that was a real seminal moment for the team in this season. Josh Morrissey, and I guarantee, Marat, when he eventually is anointed the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets, that game on Monday night will absolutely be mentioned by the media, probably be mentioned by the team. People will be talking about it because if you had doubts that, oh, maybe there's a few other guys to do it, I mean, I think he just went and stood up and said, I am the guy. 100%. I think heading into this season, you know, there's cases to be made. 
Adam Lowry has a phenomenal case to be a captain, I think, as well. Other players in the Winnipeg Jets display leadership. But when he can talk the talk like he did, when he can walk it and deliver the results that he has consistently consistently this season and last, let's not forget that he's been – it was a career season last season before this step forward even from that. I mean, when he can do those things and then generate the belief, the buy-in from the other leaders, the buy-in from the crowd – um, I think that this is somebody who has demonstrated he can be at the heart of a moment, no matter what that moment looks like. I think Josh Morrissey's case is strong. And the only thing that, you know, can make a game like that a footnote for him is what he might do down the stretcher in the playoffs. Because I believe that this is a player in his prime doing the best work of his career right now. And it's possible he makes plays at least as special as that between now and the end of this season. And I think that that's just such a special plot arc for Morrissey. I also want to go back to what you're saying about taking that to the crowd and like the intelligence of that. Because if you listen to the crowd, not just on that goal, but when Mark Shifley scores to tie it and Morrissey scores and bounces off at somebody to go in, that was as strong of a reminder for me of what an asset the Winnipeg Jets fans can be as I've witnessed, I think, in ages. I mean, it's quiet in there sometimes. And then when you turn that into booze, like that 4 nothing loss or during power play struggles and all sorts of things like that, you forget. I forgot. I forgot the degree to what uh, to which Winnipeg Jets fans can be roused from their seats. And Morrissey did that for them and gave them a release. And obviously, Shifley's goal was brilliant and, and all of that as well. And that's a syn- synergy, I think, between player and crowd that – hopefully for Jets and Jets fans sake is the beginning of something down the stretch that they can continue to lean on uh, because I forgot what they can do when that, when those things are aligned. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of time for Adam Lowry and what he does for the Winnipeg Jets. And he does tick off a lot of the boxes that you'd want in the, in a captain. Um, But what we saw on in the third period on Monday, I'm not sure Adam Lowry has that club in his bag. If you know what I'm saying, I mean, he like Josh Morrissey. Listen, Adam's struggling scoring right now. Although like his numbers, you know, you know, he's getting assists. He just hasn't scored goals in a long time, and I'm sure that is maybe weighing on him. And I'm not sure that there any player will maybe benefit more from the break right now than Adam Lowry getting away a little bit, getting some time. Certainly with the physicality that he plays in, the role that he plays in for this club. Um, but Josh Morrissey made a, a big statement and um the team absolutely needed it Bef- like so that's the good um what do you make of the previous 11 periods that the team had played before they got to the third on monday night well i think that in all of this it's important to acknowledge a truth as well that winnipeg was playing poorly call it exhaustion call it guys with the all-star break on their mind call it whatever you want to call it you can't say that they outplayed teams. You know, you can't say that they were pushing teams out of buildings or even giving themselves a tremendous chance to win based on some of the puck management, based on some of the, you know, the difference makers going absent, you know, at both ends of the ice. And um, I think if you're trying to make interpretations or, or think about Winnipeg's future, you need a really good sense of why things, you know, went off there. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said for how many games they spent in January and on the road and all that sort of stuff. I believe that that, that folks get tired. Um, and, you know, I believe that players have been playing through things. You can even see 
Morrissey himself, I mean, you know, a, a fan showed me a Twitter a picture that they had taken with Morrissey after I think it was Thursday's game, and the guy's covered in ice packs. And, um, like, those guys are out there battling and doing their best. And I think that a break is is part of the needs. At the same time, the Jets played poorly, and I think you can even look at their wins over that last stretch. I stand by what I said. If you go back to that Vancouver game, Winnipeg was sort of winning by by more of a Globetrotter-style play than than – like highlight real plays as opposed to carrying the flow of play. The Detroit game was bad. The Buffalo game was bad, even though they won. Pittsburgh was great. You could go through it, and there is a marked drop-off in the Winnipeg Jets play. I'm glad Morrissey acknowledged it. I'm glad that we can talk about it. And then I also believe it's not a given that they're going to continue that slump. I have come around on believing that this is a solid team at 5-on-5. Maybe not one of the top two or three teams in the league, but a solid team that should give itself a chance to win. And I believe, like you do, I think that rest is going to be big for some of their key players. Yeah, I mean, they were running on fumes there and the, at the end. And um, But I'll say this, though. I mean, the performance of that third period, you could make an argument that, you know, with the jolt of energy that that team got from the way that they came back and won that game against St. Louis – might have been nice maybe have a couple more games this week to keep it going. Um, but overall, I think, you know, just for the mental state of the players, because that tension was real. And Josh spoke to it after the game and in beforehand to get a win, to get a good feeling before they go out. Like, that's a nice way to leave going into a break, having an emotional win like that at a time when the team really, really did need it. Um that being said, Murat, we get to the break right now. And, of course, we now turn our attention to the trade deadline. We've already seen an interesting deal. Bo Horvat going to the New York Islanders. And we could talk about where he went and the price that was paid. Market, in some ways, I think many would agree, is somewhat set for players of that echelon. Um, what's on your uh, What's on your to-do list if you're Kevin Dayoff right now? Where are you starting? And, uh, and if you're looking at one or two places that you can improve the Winnipeg Jets, where uh, where do you go? I mean, the number one priority I would have in, in a perfect world, and there are players that I think can help with this, is a top six forward who can muck it up a little bit. Somebody who has the offense, has the skill, can play the pace that Winnipeg needs to play at, but offers just a little bit different in terms of the grit and the physicality than, you know, a, a Nikolai Ehlers or a Kyle Connor or a Cole Perfetti or whomever. And I'm thinking that if you can add that top six forward, then on any given night, you can move Cole Perfetti, the rookie, down into the third line or fourth line, depending, um, at five on five. Or if he's the one who's going well and Blake Wheeler is maybe best reserved for a tough matchup line playing with Adam Lowry on that third line, you have options in your top six. And I think that the guy that gives you the best odds of that is Timo Meyer in San Jose. I know he's the big fish. Teams will be lining up for him. Um, but there are some reasons to think that Winnipeg, um, you know, has a shot there. And one, plenty of cap room. I mean, $6 million is, I think, is his cap hit right now. $10 million is the qualifying offer. Whereas some teams might have to treat him as a one-year rental thinking that they can't afford that qualifying offer, or, hey, he's scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent in 2024, um, Winnipeg is in a unique spot where they can not only afford him right now, but if you're assuming that Pierre-Luc Dubois is not a Jet by the end of this summer, well, all of a sudden, they could also just flat-out pay Timo Meyer's $10 million qualifying offer, 
Because if you look at the roster and the cap hits heading into next season, there is room for league minimum contracts for the few gaps that they have, plus $10 million on a player. You know, I think we've all thought or hoped or, or imagined that a substantial amount of that money would go to a player like Dubois. But if that's not in the cards, then Meyer gives you a guy that helps this playoff run, helps next playoff run at the bare minimum, even if he is a, an eventual unrestricted free agent down the road. He gives you physicality and he gives you speed. He gives you depth in a way that you don't necessarily have it and an impact player. That's, for me, the blue sky, the number one choice. Other than that, you can point to the defense where they have a lot of money tied up and guys where only Josh Morrissey is a true impact player. Um, but I think it's up front where Winnipeg has the most opportunity to look for a difference maker. Well, we'll have a couple more weeks to kick this around as we get closer to the 3rd of March. Marat, stay warm. Enjoy a few days away from the rink. We'll look forward to uh, what you've got cooking up at theathletic.com and uh, talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this. Sounds good, Huss. Thanks for having me. All right, there's Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at WPG Marat. All right, Brandon Ruick is going to join us right away. Got to give a shout-out to our friends at Royal Sports, the number one sports superstore in Winnipeg. Pushing 40 years in business, family-owned. The best selection of fan merchandise anywhere, especially Winnipeg Jets, with thousands of, uh, of uh, pieces of Jets merch, including many exclusives. All your favorite jerseys, letters, numbering, and more. Bomber gear, NFL, Major League Baseball, Raptors in NBA, World Soccer, and, of course, the best hockey superstore in town as well including some affordable skates if you're looking to maybe get onto the rink this year check out their casual department as well royal sports 750 pemina highway check them out on instagram as well at royal sports pemina for their latest merchandise drops and sale information uh, guys if you're uh, needing to upgrade that wardrobe you know where to go andrew and the gang down at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits for men beginning at just $400. Um, pants, chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked, and a great selection of uh, men's accessories as well. And uh, listen, if you're in a wedding party coming up this summer, start off at F. Great deal for your wedding party when the fellas get the suits from F Apparel. And if you've got a 2023 graduate, Make an appointment to get down there and get fitted up. Any custom suit for a 2023 grad will come with a new free custom shirt and tie savings of about 150 bucks. Um, and just before we uh, bring in Brandon Rewicki, nice night down at BP last night, checking out the game, checking out some of those famous Boston's wings at a pizza. Uh, it is a little bit cold tonight, and maybe you're not going to get out to BP and have a couple with the gang, but you can always order online. All the great Boston pizza treats at bostonpizza.com. Brandon Rowicki joins us now, the host of Skates and Plates. And uh, Brandon, before we get to the hockey, we have a date a week Sunday. Eagles, Chiefs, how, uh, how are you feeling about the Super Bowl matchup and your birds after, honestly, a very underwhelming NFC Championship game when uh, Brock Purdy went out early? It was really a no contest. Yeah, I guess when you don't have quarterbacks, it doesn't make for much of a compelling, uh, at least second half, right? Um, anyway, I'm feeling better about the Super Bowl than I'm feeling right now. I'm a little under the weather, so sorry if I sound awful or anything like that. Oh, you look great. I appreciate that. I appreciate the lie, but that's that's <laughs> nice of you. Um, 
I think it's going to be I, – I, I would not be surprised if we saw a repeat of the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl from a few years back. Um, I, I, I'm blown away some people aren't excited about this matchup because it's the two best teams that the NFL has had. all like Pretty much right from week one to now, we're seeing the two best teams this season. I, I don't know. I don't know which way it's going to go. I think I think I saw someone describe it like this, and I think it's it, it's probably fair. It's the best roster against the best quarterback, and you know, not to say Kansas City doesn't have a good That's roster, fair. right? That but, is absolutely but, fair. So, which way you're leading, I think, kind of depends on how you feel about team building in a way, right? Because you look if you go roster versus roster, I don't think you know Philly. Philly is going to win the majority of those battles positional wise, but when the most important position leans towards Kansas City's way, despite Philly's quarterback played at an MVP level this season, it, it's it's a tough one. I I yeah, I'm not sure which way it's going to go yet, but I think the most intriguing battle comes on the lines of for both sides. There, can Kansas City will will it be will it be a repeat of Kansas City versus Tampa Bay in that Super Bowl where Mahomes is running for his life? And then can Kansas City slow down Philly's rushing attack? That, that to me, is where the game's going to be won the most. But I, I think we're in for an absolute beauty. I think it's going to be an all-timer. Yeah, no, it is great. Right now, the Eagles are one-point favorite. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, there's a lot of questions about the Eagles' quality of schedule and their path to the Super Bowl. But I, I, mean, I would love to get fault. into that. That's, I mean, listen, that's not their fault. You can only play the teams that um, they put up against you. And let's not forget... And the NFC East was the NFC beast this year. I mean, you had three playoff teams of four. Um, that being said, I'm not sure they really had that signature win. They had the opportunity to do that on Sunday. But I think a lot of people, you know, will maybe diminish it because it was pretty much over the second Brock Purdy got hurt. But to oh, me, can I just jump in on that? Sure. Because I, I, I love when, when people have been, and, and there's been a lot of, like, I've been drinking tears this whole week from, from Niners fans and other football fans crying about how the Eagles haven't played anybody and haven't done anything. Did did Brock Purdy just like decide to stop playing, or did did something happen to him that took him out of the game? Good point. Did did, did Josh Johnson just fall on the sidelines, or did something? Oh, that's right. The Eagles D line obliterated San Fran's O line and knocked both their QBs out of the game. And last time I checked, Brock Purdy doesn't play D line and let the Eagles run work for one fifty plus and four TDs. So. I, I look. You could you could do the whole. They haven't played anybody. All that crap. The Patriots didn't really play a lot of great teams back in their heyday. You know, in the AFC East, and I don't think people nowadays are going. Oh, they didn't have much competition on their way to four or five Super Bowls. So I'm not. Everybody going in was saying San Fran was the most complete team, the hottest team in the NFL. And then the Eagles had that game wrapped up by the time the fourth quarter came around. So. I don't. I don't want to hear that they haven't played anybody crap because fourth quarter. To be honest with you, is halftime. I mean, I was at a. Uh, a we were at a tail uh, a tailgating at uh, at Arrowhead, and we were in this uh, tent area with some food, and they had some TVs on. And we were watching the game, and listen, the second that that third touchdown went in after the Josh Johnson fumble, it was like, all right, curtains, we can get into yep. the stadium. <laughs> we're we're not going to be missing anything. It's on to the AFC game. What did you think about the AFC championship game, knowing that? Your team was already in the Super Bowl, and uh, obviously you had two really good AFC teams going at it at uh, at Arrowhead, and what ended up being an absolute thriller. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I mean, Mahomes is just—he's just absurd. I, and I, I do think, and I was really maybe the thing I was most impressed by was Kansas City's defense. 
they came to play. And I know like Mahomes Chris gets all Jones, the headlines. Frank Clark, man. Games yeah, Chris, of their lives. Chris Jones might be the best defensive player on the planet right now. Um, but uh, there was there was just such an element of burrow this, burrow that, and you could just tell, like, and, and obviously post-gate, like, they were just like, enough's enough. Like, this this crap's got to end now. And Mahomes was great on one leg and all that, but the D really, really stepped. Like, they were, they played out of their minds in that one. And, and to limit Burrow, and, and really, you only heard about Jamar Chase on that one fourth down play, but, like, as, as great as those receivers are, that they pretty much held them in check, even though they still got theirs. Um, it, it was it was an all timer. You know, it sucks when games like that end on on a, I mean, I, I, a penalty, boneheaded play, that sort of a thing. Like you want to see Mahomes. Leon Led thought that was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> Leon, Leon Led wouldn't have pushed him out of bounds. But um, I, I I think the best team won still, right? Like it's it's not the the dream ending everybody was hoping for. I think OT would have been. I mean, I mean, the fact that Mahomes would have been into three straight OT AFC Championship games is ridiculous. But um, I think the best team won. I, I think Kansas City's been the best team, uh, or the best AFC team all season long. And I think, I, I think it was destiny that we see the two best clubs go at it. And um, just let me know where you got our tickets. What what seat we're going to be in in Arizona Listen, in about ten days' time. Let let's let's do it, man. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I literally was looking at ticket prices for the game. <laughs> And uh, get in price at about forty eight hundred US to sit at the top of the stadium. That's <laughs> uh, but it's not a no. It's yeah. not a no yet. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what I, we'll see where I end up for next weekend in the uh, and the game. Um, just one more because I do want to get to some Jets talk with you. But um, certainly from a Kansas City perspective, listen, that defense is going to need to be as good and better than they were even against the uh, against the, uh, the the Bengals, especially when it comes to the running game, um, which is such a huge part of what Philadelphia brings. They're also going to need to get healthy. I mean, the fact that Mahomes did what he did in the second half, throwing to a guy with four career catches and 24 yeah. tackles, um, <laughs> pulling guys off. Like, Tony hopefully can be healthy for at least part of the game. I mean, the guy inevitably gets hurt at some point, but man, when he has the ball in his hands, he's incredible. Mikol Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, the Chiefs are hopefully going to have all those weapons for Patrick. Um, but from the Eagles side of things, things are great. But I, I do wonder, you've watched this team all year long and seen how great Jalen Hurts is. How comfortable are you with where Hurts is at right now? Because the one thing he certainly hasn't had to do is really win a game right through the playoffs because the team has been so dominant. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, he's taken some big hits and he looks okay. So, like, that, does that's he look really... okay to you? I mean, the health. Like, yeah. are you at all nervous? I mean, I have seen some people in Eagles circles with a little bit of concern as to how well he's come back from, you know, the injury that basically took him out of the MVP race and made him miss those final few games. Yeah, it's just that he has. They they don't need him to do, to do anything this playoff run because they've had the games wrapped up by the time the fourth quarter. Like, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm not worried because their their game script didn't need him to do anything. It was basically like Jalen, our defense is balling out. Yeah. We're running the ball like crazy. If if a guy's not open, then just tuck it and run. Right? Like they haven't needed him to to be that guy yet. Um, I know he, you know he hasn't hit on a ton of deep balls in the postseason, but it doesn't look like it's from a lack of arm strength, right? Like just, he hasn't been able to connect on them just yet. And I think, I mean, both the QBs need the two weeks off. So, I mean, I, I don't think it helps either team out too much in, in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think he's, I mean, being honest, I, I think the time off helps Jalen Hurts more than Mahomes because 
with a high ankle sprain, it, you need like four, five, six weeks for that to get better. Two weeks will help a little bit, but uh, I don't know if it's going to help all that much. But I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too worried about Jalen. Um, and the fact of the matter is, you know, you got basically mini To as as one of your wideouts, and then the Slim Reaper as the other. You know, you just can you throw a five-yard slant to A.J. Brown and let him rumble for 20? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, then we're going to be just fine in terms of throwing the ball. Well, bring it on. We'll have a full week of uh, Super Bowl chat next week, getting ready for the big game on the 12th of February. Three years ago today was uh, Mahomes' first Super Bowl win. I was uh, just going down memory lane a little earlier today, <laughs> checking out some of that. Brandon Rowicki's with the skates and plates. Let's get back to the pucks. And uh, Jets now at the All-Star break. Coming off that um, just thrilling third period comeback, uh, listen, I've probably spent half of our broadcast time since I got back from KC talking about Josh Morrissey and his performance on Thursday. Um, to me, this was a guy putting his hand up. First of all, putting a team on his back, uh, a crowd uh, injecting <laughs> some energy into a crowd that was dead and borderline turning on the team after a pretty rough week. Um and maybe most importantly, announcing to everyone if they hadn't been paying attention that he's the leader and the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, take us back to Monday and what you thought about that third period and the heroics of number 44. Yeah, yeah, it was basically Russell Crowe in, in Gladiator. Are you entertained? Look, he had every right to yell at the crowd to get up and the crowd had every right to say, do something, like somebody do something out there. And yeah, he was the only guy that was going to do anything. And then it, it, it was a complete 180 from that point on. I mean, it was, as far as regular season games go, as legendary of a performance as you're going to see out of a Winnipeg Jets blue line. I mean, he just he put the team on his back. And, yeah, I, I think I think that's, you know, pretty obviously the main thing now is that, you know, whenever he wants it and whenever the team wants to make it official, it's not going to be an A on his chest next season. It's it's going to be the C, and it's, it's completely deserved. I mean, he's been... He's been, and I would even say with Hellebuck's great play this year, he's been this team's MVP this year. And so he's got an MVP, I think, lined up in terms of the Winnipeg Jets. He's going to find himself on the Norris shortlist. Where that position is remains to be seen, but I'm not going to, you know, put any any restrictions on him potentially being, you know, one of the three heading out to Vegas by the time the year's all said and done. And he's going to be the captain of this team. And I think, I think all of those things are completely deserved. And... The Winnipeg Jets, you know, by the time the end of the year video comes out, if if something special happens in terms of a deep run, I, I wonder if we look back at that moment against the St. Louis Blues as the the pivotal moment of this team's season where just, just the vibes and, and the narrative around the team are in two different spots. If they lose that game and don't score against St. Louis compared to what we saw there where it's bang, 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 Morrissey leads the way and now – you know, maybe with some rest and recuperation, we might have ourselves one hell of a stretch run for the Jets once we get back at it in mid-February. Yeah, no, I mean, it well put. And um, and the timing of everything, like with what had happened to the team over the past week and really, you know, a couple weeks with the up-and-down nature of the play, a couple real good games, but, you know, some of their their iffiest performances of the year. And did you, were you in the building on Saturday night for the Philly game? I was. I was, yeah. yeah. No, listen, I mean, I... I that was like I again. I had said this on the show. I was in KC. We were at a great hockey bar, but I was watching the Philly broadcast. We didn't have sound on the game, um, but it didn't seem like the Jets had a lot of answers, and it really just seemed like they were in a rut. And I thought they played far better through the first two periods. Um, 
But man, when your power play doesn't have anything happening and uh, you know, you're missing those opportunities, you almost feel like it's going the other way. And that is exactly what happened with that early goal to make it two nothing. And uh, the way he put the team on his back and won, I mean, I I'm completely with you. It was a special night, a special performance. And um, we'll refer to it just simply as the Morrissey game, I think, around here for many years. But um, he has he has continued to ascend and do things that we hadn't seen in the past. And I'm not sure he had the confidence to do in the past, but now he is that. And now, of course, he's at the All-Star game. What do you think that this experience does for Josh? Considering the season that he's had so far, a first-time All-Star, he talked about how proud he was to be mentioned in it. I mean, the game itself is whatever, but... Um, he now knows that not only is he playing at this level, but he belongs amongst the best in. And I really think that this will be very, very positive for Josh for the rest of this season and going forward that he has arrived as uh, the best version of himself. Yeah, it's it's validation is, is what it is, right? Like every, everything that you put into it paid off in a big way and, and he's completely deserving of it. Um, and, and doing it in a division where there's some there's some elite elite defensemen in the central and for him to be you know head and shoulders obviously one of the top three I think speaks volumes to the kind of season that that he is having right now I mean he's he's been this team's best player no doubt about it all all year long um in terms of I mean look it, it'll be nice for him to maybe you know not play 25 minutes a night um for about two weeks I, I don't I don't really need to see him do anything skills comp wise hopefully he's not in the fastest skater that's probably the only one that you could actually pull a pull a hammy or, or pull some kind of muscle in um but i'm really really excited to see j just j just hear hearing and seeing what he does out there i mean it, it does mean a lot to him and it, and it should mean a lot to him he's been through a ton these these past couple of years and you know i you saw glimpses of it last year and but the guy we saw last year was a top pair defenseman and for him to take it to even another level this season to, to you know, borderline superstar on the back end, it's it's been tremendous. And on top of that, you know, Dylan DeMello is a great fit for him, but there's not a lot of defensemen in the NHL. You know, a lot of those top guys, I mean, look at McCarr in, in Colorado playing with Devin Taves. Like a lot of these guys still have borderline all-star partners beside them. And, and Josh Morrissey has done a lot of the heavy lifting here so far this season in Winnipeg essentially by himself right now. So it's, it's great, great for him. Super happy for it. Um, hopefully, Team Central gets eliminated very early in the in the actual All Star game, and then he can you know rest another hour or so before <laughs> things get going. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. Speaking of the Central, we were um, <clears throat> kicking around with Murad. I'm not sure if you saw those money puck, the latest money puck odds for making the playoffs and winning. The Jets right now, by their model, are the fourth most likely team in the league to win the Stanley Cup behind Carolina, Boston, Edmonton. And uh, and then is Winnipeg. And what's fascinating, um, Brandon, is just how much of a bigger favorite the Jets are than the other teams in the Central Division that you have to go through. Their cup odds, their odds to represent the West in the in the Cup Final, are more than Dallas and Minnesota combined. I'll be honest; I was very surprised at that. It seems like it's very close. I th would think that the brilliant goaltending of Connor Hellebuck. Um, is probably worked into that as maybe something that gives the Jets the benefit of the doubt. But um, what uh, what did you think when you heard those numbers or saw them about um, what some of the uh, the computers or the models are saying about um, the Jets' chances when uh, we get to the postseason, of which they have like a ninety eight or ni ninety seven or ninety eight percent chance of participating in? 
Yeah, well, like you said, I was at the the game against the Flyers on Saturday. Um, Didn't look <laughs> that way. Yeah, is that a different team that they base those odds on? No, I mean, I I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I would be that bullish. That that that's the first I've heard of that, and I would say that that shocks me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, listen, I'm the same way. I'm like, whoa, that's why it's fun to talk about on Winnipeg Sports yeah. Talk. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think there's going to have to be some pretty monumental additions to put the Jets. I mean, right now, Boston's in a class of their own. I think you can maybe even say Carolina's, you know, just a shade below them. Yeah. But could the Jets maybe enter into that tier, that that tertiary tier? Yeah, I, I think they can, but I think it's going to have to be off a busy deadline by by Kevin Dayoff. You know, I would... I'm not going to take the Jets over Colorado in a seven-game series right now. I think, the, look, the Avs this year haven't been To me, been they're great. still They've the been... team to beat in the West, yeah, assuming yeah, that exactly. they have their guys back when they drop the buck on the playoffs. I think the Avs, certainly by the books, will probably still be a slight favorite. But it does speak, Brandon, to just how wide open the West is. I mean, as Dave mentioned in, uh, in, in, in chat, I mean, you look at the standings right now in the Western Conference and – the Winnipeg Jets are right there, second in points. I mean, one point back of the Dallas Stars, and Dallas does have one game in hand. And again, there's some teams that have a few less games played because of, well, the Kraken are one of them. And what a story the Kraken are right now. I mean, it's I've been waiting for the bottom, like many people, the bottom to sort of fall <laughs> out on that club. But outside of Colorado, because of that Stanley Cup pedigree, what we saw them do last year and knowing what they've been through – it's pretty hard to look at any team and say, oh, well, there's no way the Jets can hang with that team in the playoffs. I mean, there's not a team right now that I think you can say that about. I might have said Vegas, but now the stone injury completely throws Dude, that off the rails. The, the, which Vegas team? The Vegas team that started 13-2 and two, or the team that since the end of October has basically been an NHL 500 club? I mean, yeah, they're the but... same 11 games above 500 they were at the end of October. Yeah, but I, I still think if you're looking, if you're going roster to roster, I mean, to have a one-two punch on the back end of Petrangelo and Theodore, and then Eichel and and some of the guys they have up front there, I and as, I I'm a huge Cassidy fan. I, I think Vegas still, you know, just because they have they're having a bit of a mid-season swoon right now, I'm not going to be surprised to see them jump up to the top of the pack. But the Stone thing just completely throws that off the rails now. Like that that's that's a massive injury. You lose a superstar out of your lineup. I, I I don't know how they go Just about Just wait till they go that. full Kucherov, and he sits out the rest. They squeak into the playoffs. They make a couple of additions, and then lo and behold, he's good to go for game one of the uh, first yeah. round. That would be that would be very Vegas of them. But Absolutely, it would be. I, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll wait and see if they pull off one or two things at the deadline there. But I, outside of that, I mean, I, I think it's funny. I think the Jets can beat anybody in the West, but I think they could also lose to anybody in the West. Right? Like, they're they're not... There's a lot of good there's a lot of really good teams. Like good to really good teams, but there's no great team that separated themselves right now, which makes things I mean extremely interesting, exciting, but also difficult to predict. Because I for, I think the Jets could beat the Stars. I think I would pick the Jets to beat the Stars in a 7-game series. But like what are the odds on that? Like 55-45? Right? Like it's 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 really really tight well, the way all these teams Dallas. are stacked up right now. What about Minnesota? I mean, let's just say things finish up the way they are right now. And there's not a lot of movement and the jets play the, the Minnesota wild in the first round. I mean, that's the one to be honest, that concerns me the most just because the wild have eaten the jets for lunch so far when they played so far this year, they do they have a couple more games a little later on, but I mean, those games matter. 
Yeah, the only reason I don't say Minnesota is because they're still based in Minnesota, right? And so Minnesota sports team, playoff time. This is a Vikings take? <laughs> no, no, no. This, I mean, they, they do they do find their way into this. But I, I've been on the wild bandwagon for two years, and they screwed me over in the past. So I'm, I'm kind of done with Minnesota. I'm done with Minnesota and Toronto. Those are the two teams I don't want to have any part in anymore. So, I mean, yeah, the Wild are great. The Wild are great. I I mean, I, I think I would still take the Jets over them. I think Colorado's the one team in the Central where I'd be like, no, they and they're going to make a move for a second-line center too. So I think they're going to be even more formidable come playoff time. I mean, the only other one, I mean, Edmonton, but ah, they're so up and down. Like when they're when they're going, they're they're right up there with the best in the league. But we know that their 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 floor is pretty damn low, and they can be as leaky as as anybody out there in the league right now. So yeah, I mean. I think there's plenty of reason for optimism here, but I, I do think a lot of that optimism is wedded in the fact that the Jets need to be aggressive at the trade deadline. Well, let's get to that before we finish up. I mean, uh, you know, this will be something we probably talk about for the next few weeks every time you jump on the program. But, um, you know, looking at where this team is right now through 52 games, um, looking at the roster, assuming guys come back and are healthy, you know what you have if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff. What's number one on your priority list for the deadline? Is it an impact forward like a Timo Meyer, or is it an impact defenseman that can, much like your Vegas example, kind of um, supplement Josh Morrissey as another real QB of a top four defense pairing that can play big minutes throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, I, I think number one target isn't even a position. I, I, I think it's Jacob Chikrin. That's it. End of story. I think if the Jets make that move, they can tink- they can even tinker around the edges with the forward group, but if they make that specific move, then that's going to be the one that can set them above everybody else, maybe in the West, but quite possibly in the Central Division as well. So, so that's that to me should be a top the Winnipeg Jets to do list come deadline time. And if they can get that done, and then maybe turn some of their assets into a higher end forward, then I'm I'm all down for that. But to me. Everything should be pushed together here to, to grab that defenseman that can be hey, the, the hey. second punch behind Jomo. Why uh, why is Chikrin still a Coyote? We've been talking about this guy getting traded for well over a year. Um, any theory on that? I mean, are, are maybe we getting a little too more excited? Like, does he have a public perception that he is the guy that maybe general managers don't feel is maybe worth the price right now that the Coyotes are asking? I mean, the only thing I can come up with is that this is the Matt Duchesne trade 2.0 in that you have a GM who, this is my price. You can pay it or you, or you can just hold off and sit on the sidelines, right? Those, those are your two options. There is no negotiating here. It's me, my price, or he doesn't go anywhere. We don't have to trade him. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. So until some team starts to answer the bell and, and whatever it is, you know, first, two firsts, roster player, prospect, all that, I, I I mean he he can get moved or he'll stay in Phoenix for another year. I think that's really the the lone stumbling block right now. But I, I think he's worth it. I mean, again, you've got a young, cost controlled, upper end, you know, upper echelon defenseman who's got all the tools and has been able to succeed in a god awful environment out there with the coyotes. I, I just I, I wonder what he'd be capable of working with somebody like Rick Bonus, who turned Josh Morrissey from great into superstar. If you give him somebody like Jacob Chikrin, can he elevate his game to where your second pair becomes essentially a first pair in the NHL? 
No, it is a great point. Uh, are you taking a couple uh, days off of skates and plates, or uh, are you doing a big all-star game breakdown and preview this Friday? What's uh, what's going on? Yeah, skills comp prop bets. Uh, you can catch that. No, um, yeah, I'll I'll do this. Will be my my MJ flu game tonight. The when when we do the episode that uh, to get it ready for tomorrow morning. Uh, but it's pretty much just trade deadline preview talk, forwards, defense, all that. I don't think the Jets need to shop for goalie, right? So maybe just forwards and defense. Um, that, uh, someone in chat, it. someone in chat, every every week goes, "Hey, get Vamelka." I was going to say Vamelka. <laughs> We know how good he is. Hey, Brandon, lots of fun doing it. I'll look forward to uh, the latest episode of Skates and Plates when it drops. Folks, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you next week, potentially, before uh, the Chiefs and Birds go at it in Glendale. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I'm I'm looking good for that one, okay? I, I might have something special planned for next wear week. Wear green, wear green. You know what yeah. I'll have on. Take it easy. There's Brandon Rowicki of uh, Skates and Plates with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we are going to meet the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes in just a second. Uh, before we do that, I've heard you. I know many of you are looking forward to the Scotties. And uh, we're going to get Jen Jones, the queen herself, on in the next uh, the next little bit before the Scotties gets going. And, of course, Jen Jones, proudly part of the Princess Auto team, along with Team Reed Carruthers, Princess Auto, sponsoring the Bombers, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and Manitoba's top curling teams. And, of course, Princess Auto is also the place where you will uh, find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7-365 over at princessauto.com. For all your water needs, the Culligan team has been the go-to folks in Winnipeg, family-owned for over 65 years, and the reason for that is they've got the best in water products and services. Really, everything you need. Water softeners, check. Filters, <clears throat> check. Bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see the Cullion team, 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694 5180 and check them out online for everything they can do for you and your family at drinkculligan.com. And, uh, you know, a, a big shout-out to our friends at Canadian Club for their great support of WST and, of course, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, maybe be cheersing a little CC to our next guest as he comes to take over our beloved Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Uh, of course, he'll get used to Winnipeg quite quickly and know that if you're looking for Canadian Club, you're getting it at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart's and when we get out to the stadium this year at IG Field, you'll be able to crack those uh, CC and ginger ale pre-mixed cocktails in the can. And, of course, uh, head on down Rum Hut Way and get your fill of CC when you're watching Blue Bomber Football. Canadian Club, find it at Manitoba Liquor Mart's proud sponsors of WST. All right, let's switch gears for a minute. Been a very busy month for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. We were just talking about the departure of Steve Schuster, who's done such a great job as the voice of the club for the last nine years, taking a job with the New York Mets. We'll get Schuster on at some point. Big news yesterday, Max Murphy back with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes after that horrible injury that cost him the season. But the biggest news in Fishland was the announcement of a fourth manager in franchise history 
following the big shoes of Rick Forney. And it is a pleasure to welcome in the newest manager, fourth in Gold Eyes history since 1994, Greg Taggart to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Greg, thanks so much for doing this and congratulations on the new gig. Thank you, Andrew. It's a, it's a pleasure and I've enjoyed the last month and getting introduced to the community and everybody and uh, including the media. And it's, uh, it's been a a wonderful uh, off season so far for me. Well, you know, I want to talk about you know the uh, the the challenge of coming over to uh, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes and some of the reasons why. But I should mention to folks that maybe are not familiar, um, you are one of the most accomplished managers in the history of independent baseball, uh, managing the Gary Shell Shore Railcats for sixteen seasons between 205 to 2021. Don't worry, we love dogs. You can bring them in if they they want. As part of the Zoom uh, world, we've got got three of them stuck in the house here. (laughs) They're excited to come to Winnipeg. The weather in Dallas, Fort Worth, it's not Winnipeg, but uh, you may have heard we're experiencing something that we usually don't have. Yeah, and when that happens, when a little snow comes, everything basically shuts down and stops out there. But um, trust me, it is a ghost town these last couple days. You know, um, I've just got to ask him. You know, all this time in in Gary, um, an incredible run, three championships. But take us back up to uh, the start of your uh, professional baseball journey, Greg. Uh, How did? Where are you from? Were you a player? How did you get into it? Um, And obviously, the path that brought you here to the peg. Yeah, certainly, you know, college baseball was the extent of the playing career, a couple, you know, type of spring training situations where I was more or less of a tryout person. But uh, I I think I knew early on that scouting, coaching, managing was part of, uh, you know, what was going to happen for me in the future and got into scouting at at an early age and college coaching. And it really just, um, you know, changed the dynamic for me. I was, and I think a you guys are more aware than I am of that early years of the Northern League in 1993 and 94 when the Gold Eyes joined, I believe, the second year, if I'm correct, in 94, uh, celebrating the 30th year, of course. But, um, you know, I was part of the Frontier League in 1995, another startup type league. And it really changed my outlook on, you know, really what it was that I wanted to do. And I loved every moment of it those early years. Now, I'll be honest, um, the club I was with was no Winnipeg Gold Eyes in the Frontier League. Uh, they do not exist anymore, but it gave me a taste of it and really uh, gave me a direction that I wanted to head. And that was, what, 27, 28 years ago. You lose count, Andrew, of course, after all these years. But um, was fortunate to be a part of that league as it grew into something which is still exists today, one of the four MLB partner leagues and an outstanding people. And that, you know, really grew into the position, the opportunity in Gary, which uh, became, you know, to me what Winnipeg was to Rick and, you know, a second home really. And, uh, and really a place that, you know, I was very, very torn to leave, you know, a little over a year ago now. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, fill us in on how the opportunity came about with Rick leaving. And um, was it uh, Andrew or Sam give you a call and say, oh, are you interested in this gig? I mean, uh, how, how did it come about that um, you're now taking over? Um, you know, really, I, I, mean, I would imagine one of the primo jobs in all of independent baseball, considering the way the Gold Eyes are looked at amongst their uh, their peers in the league. Well, you just said it best right there. Um, 
probably in all of professional baseball, you know, outside, you know, when you talk about the minor leagues, the industry, college baseball, it is considered, you know, one of the signature franchises, so to speak. And there's, uh, you know, and, and with all respect, due respect to all the other franchises that have come on in the last 10, 15 years, what the Gold Eyes have accomplished there in Winnipeg and what they mean to the industry is, is bar second to none. You know, Sam gave me a call. I was aware of Rick's situation. Um, you know, somewhat surprised, but I think we know, you know, the family situation. It became more and more difficult for Rick over the years. He, we had grown extremely close friends. And um, and I think I've told this a little bit before, but I received a call from Sam probably a 10, 14 days after the announcement. And I assumed he was calling for a recommendation of one of my former coaches or somebody that I knew that was applying for the gold eyes job. And, and I, I think, uh, it probably, I, I don't know the exact number Sam got in terms of interest, but Sam called, uh, told, asked me to take a seat and he just wanted to ask me a question. And he wanted to know if I'd be interested in putting my name in the hat for the job. And, and, uh, initially, um, it was a no, actually, I was uh, expected to go back with the giants this year and, had uh, you know agreed to return there for a second season, but the more I thought about it, all the reasons we just talked about, Andrew became uh, more and more intriguing to me. More and more interested in it. The people that I know in Winnipeg over the years, uh, obviously the continuity with the franchise has been amazing. Um, I think any franchise, any sports franchise, any business would be, you know, jealous and envious of that kind of continuity, but. And then finally, it came together in December and agreed to to do it. And it's been a, you know, like I said, I haven't looked back. Greg Taggart's the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Greg, you know, you, you went head-to-head with the fish for all those years. Um, from the visiting dugout, um, how clear was it that this was a, a franchise that, you know, would be a great place to work. What stood out to you as an opponent of the Gold Eyes when you were sort of learning why the Gold Eyes are, in a lot of ways, the gold standard for independent baseball? Right. I think, you know, it goes much deeper than just the ballpark itself. Obviously, you know, the downtown stadium is a, is a great situation. Those things are really more for players. You know, the setting downtown, the stadium's wonderful, the amount of fans, but really the passion amongst the people that work there, the passion amongst the fan base was something that always stood out when we came into town. And, you know, and, you know, it was a trip that we always look forward to. I think that's really a key. When you look forward to a 16 or 18 hour bus ride, you know, it must be a good place. <laughs> so it became, um, you know, it became a situation that, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, I never expected, you know, this opportunity to come by, you know, I think it's one of those things, probably like myself and Gary, I think there was just, Hey, Rick will be there forever. Well, you know, forever for, you know, doesn't happen for many of us in any field, but it was one of those things that, uh, you know, really attracted me to the job, but more of the things internally that I got to see firsthand dealing with the people there, Andrew Collier, the longtime general manager, uh, who is about the best. You mentioned Steve Schuster a moment ago. Um, got to know Steve extremely well over the years. And, um, you know, just a place from from everybody on down that, uh, 
that works there. You know, you could tell they take a lot of pride in the franchise, take a lot of pride in what they're doing, and it's just a wonderful environment. Well, I can't uh, couldn't echo those more. Andrew's a great friend of ours, and um, you know, has really been you know, integral along with Sam and, you know, Dan Chase. I mean, you, you look at that organization and see how many people that have been there as long as they've been there, uh, Greg. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, and sometimes, I mean, you don't want to take it for granted because that continuity, it's just that they're always there. And that I think was why it was so surprising when we heard that Rick was leaving this year. Um, but obviously someone with your resume, it's quite clear that the fish are in very, very good hands moving forward. Um, I have to ask you now, Taking over a new gig, you're back home in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, area. Um, what has the last month been like? I mean, uh, what's on the to-do list when you take over a new team and start, um, you know, a new chapter of your coaching career? Well, I think the first thing on the to-do list, you mentioned it earlier, the re-signing of Max Murphy. <laughs> you know, um, you know, you, you go into a job. There's not a lot of jobs, you know, obviously where you can go in and you have the reigning MVP. You know, and, and we talked a little bit, or you did, about the the, the unfortunate end to a oh, season. Gruesome. You know, the recovery that he's uh, he's got to make. I, I know I saw the, you know, the article today a little bit, and you know that he was, you know, and we've talked a little bit on. He feels good about where he's at, and I think the fortunate part for us is that he's got that extra month or so that you wouldn't have if he was going off to major league spring training, and he's got that extra month. But you know, then it. Uh, really becomes a little bit of a, you know, for no better term, a housekeeping type of situation. Many players, as we know, at the at this level, and Goldeye fans have become, you know, very familiar with it. And, and as you guys in the media, you know, there's a lot of movement. And there's a, just a transient nature of the league. And, and even more so in the last few years, I think, since the pandemic and the changes and the overhaul of the leagues and, and the nature of um, – the situation with MLB, but, but that's really been it. Uh, a few signings. We're talking to many of the gold eyes players from last year. You know, a few are uh, definitely going to be back more than a few, but uh, some of those things that we'll have to uh, retool in a few areas. I imagine that uh, one of the benefits of the job in Winnipeg, based on the reputation of the organization and the city and the environment for players is that um, a lot of guys want to play here. Um, you know, the, the sales pitch from the manager and the general manager might be a little bit easier when you can offer what Winnipeg and this franchise has to offer. Yeah, you know, that's all part of the process, uh, whether it's a, you know, sometimes I think uh, when you're talking to a player, you get a tendency to sound like a college football recruiter in those areas. But uh, it really is part of the process. And, and you know, and all I have to say and and two things I've said to a player so far is just take a look, Google Winnipeg Gold Eyes, something you can do these days easier than ever, you know, but you can also uh, understand from a manager standpoint that I thought so highly of the job that I left the San Francisco Giants to come here. Well, it's absolutely, I mean, it does, it speaks so well to, um, you know, what they've built here and can tell you what Simi was here for the first couple seasons and then how for a great run. And I mean, Rick Forney has been a, um, you know, a, a huge part of our sports community as the guy. And, um, you know, while there certainly are big shoes to fill, I think you come in with some pretty big shoes considering an incredible resume and um, very excited to, 
see this next chapter of Winnipeg Gold Eyes Baseball and see you here in the peg with uh, the crew. Now, who will you be bringing up? Uh, you got uh, family, and certainly it seems like you've got some company in the room there. Everyone in chat will kill me if I don't ask about the dogs. No, I apologize. The, uh, we have three Newfoundlands, but we have a rescue that's become a handful uh, here in the last month or so. So I think my wife will be staying uh, for the most part in Dallas-Fort Worth. There's not a lot of uh, dog sitters that uh, sign up for the the job here at the Taggart household for these three, but but she'll uh, hopefully make a visit in. I know she's excited about the job. She's familiar. You know, it is one of the cities. Um, we were, uh, you know, we made uh, Northwest Indiana our home for about 10 years, so she went on a lot of road trips, but uh, Winnipeg was not one of them, so I know she's anxious to get up there, but, um, you know, the four children are all grown and have their own lives. I'm sure they'll come in. It's just like anything else. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure they'll come in to see Dad and the baseball or as much they will come in to see the city of Winnipeg. <laughs> well, tell you what, those newfies would have a good time up here. Even right now, <laughs> I'm sure they can handle the cold. Uh, the rest of us, yeah. uh, not so much. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, love to see uh, all the members with the fish logos in the chat right now. A lot of excitement for this. And we're going to get together with Andrew. I know looking to do some pretty fun things uh, between Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Gold Eyes this year. And listen, Greg, it's been great having you on the program. We wish you the best of the rest of this offseason. Very much look forward to meeting you in person when you come out here. And uh, as they say, it's cold as hell here right now, but I can't wait just to think about getting to the ballpark this year and see this new era of Gold Eyes baseball with you calling the shots. Well, you and me, Andrew, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good stuff. There's Greg Taggart, the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Hey, if you're thinking about tickets for the upcoming season, get on over to goldeyes.com and uh, maybe just thinking about being back at the ballpark and Craft Beer Corner and all that great food can get you through these next couple days of the deep freeze here in Winnipeg. Um, speaking of the deep freeze, in a good way, um, you know where to get those delicious blizzard treats. Nick and Nikki DQ and their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations, one in Niverville, the DQ Riverville, as well as three in the city, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, excuse me, and DQ St. Anne's, just about hiccuped in the middle of that read. Um, incredible burgers and fast food items. The double cheese bacon stack burger, my personal favorite, highly recommended from yours truly, something that I actually do know about burgers. Um, but when it comes to ice cream and ice cream cakes for a great event, um, obviously you can pop in and pick one up to go at any of them. But if you do want a custom cake, Maybe for a big Super Bowl party or a birthday, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. I'll customize it, whether it's a blizzard cake or an ice cream cake, however you like it. And then you can pick it up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And uh, hey, we just had Greg Taggart on. I'm, you know, I'm just feeling great thinking about baseball season coming up next year. And it's just making me dream of about a 25 degree summer evening and cracking a little brown jug out there in Craft Beer Corner. Of course, uh, Craft Beer Corner has tons of Winnipeg's best and favorite beers, including Winnipeg's number one favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Pop down and see them in the exchange on William Avenue to try them all. Or uh, if you want to get that taste of summer right now, grab a case of the 1919 or... Check out their new Good Times variety package available at Manitoba Liquor Marts, at Little Brown Jug, or wherever sells great beer. And, of course, Little Brown Jug also available 
to be delivered citywide. You can check them out or make an order online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Man, that was fun talking to Greg. Remo, I'm getting a little bit of an itch for summer right now, although we will have a lot of hockey to talk about and hopefully a long playoff run for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, man, it's going to be nice to get back to the ballpark and very exciting to see um, and to talk to Greg about this future of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes who have had so much continuity over the uh, almost first 30 years of the franchise. Yeah, a couple of big changes with Steve Steve Schuster uh, leaving the broadcast booth and Rick Forney leaving the manager position. Amazing how few managers they've had in their long history. And, I mean, Greg, what a resume with long time with Gary winning championships. And, I mean, the fact that he left a position with the San Francisco Giants come to Winnipeg, I think, speaks volume about how uh, desirable and how much of a you know great franchise the Gold Eyes have become around independent baseball. No, no, there is no doubt about it. And uh, listen, the fish, <clears throat> like so many, um, you know, minor league teams had, you know, some real challenges through the pandemic, but none more so here in Winnipeg, considering, you know, the border issues, the fact that they played that season in Tennessee. Uh, I will say this, though. I mean, getting back quite often to the ballpark last year, it really seems like the pandemic is behind us, at least as it pertains to getting into crowds and going to games and, um, you know, wouldn't end up the way they wanted with the championship. But I'll tell you what, that was a uh, it was a great team. The organization is so well run. And to get a guy with that sort of resume coming from the Giants to Winnipeg, I think speaks volumes uh, about what we've got going on here with our baseball team um, down at the ballpark in uh, in downtown. So bring it on. Let's fast forward through to uh, some nice weather outside. Get the boys of summer back. Um, but again, first off, hopefully a great finish to the hockey season with 30 more games for the Winnipeg Jets and a long, a very long playoff run, if you believe our friends, our very good friends over at Money Puck, as we've been talking about all year long. Um, listen, before we get to a couple of other news and notes, let's just get to the cool bet lines for today. Um, pretty light schedule as far as uh, the daily pick for uh, for cool bet. I don't know where I'm going to go with that. Probably have to go to the NBA um, but we can tell you that this line just keeps going back and forth between one and a half and one. It was one when I talked to Brandon earlier. The Eagles are back as a one and a half point favorite. Chiefs even money on the money line and the Philadelphia Eagles minus 118. Um, Remo, we do have some all-star game odds for the oh. NHL. Oh, listening. First first matchup, 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. It's the Central Division versus the Pacific Division. The Central Division, led by Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey, a slight favorite at minus 115, Pacific Division at minus 102, which is interesting when you think about the fact that McDavid and Dreisaitl will be on the Pacific Division. It is a three-on-three tourney. Uh, the Atlantic Division, minus 120, favorites against the Metropolitan Division at plus 102. And let's see what we've got for these all-star specials. Um, the NHL All-Star, so we've got the, to win the event, Atlantic plus 230, Central plus 245, Metropolitan plus 300, and Pacific Division plus 320. Um, and we've got some head-to-heads as well, wow. which is interesting. And I assume that this is for the tournament um, Johnny Gaudreau versus Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> Mitch Marner versus Pasta, the Kachuk brothers against each other. 
Sid versus Ovi, Connor versus Leon, and Kale McCarr versus Adam Fox. I got to tell you, there's not a lot going on right now, but they've done a pretty good job over at Clube out of some fun prop bets for the All-Star weekend. You know, I've done fantasy um, for the All-Star game, and it is quite fun. They do play the three games instead of three periods, and it gets kind of intense there at the end of the game. So, you know, if you are going to be sitting down, it does make it more fun when you do this. But I wouldn't, you know, put a, I wouldn't put a lot on the All-Star game just because I think it's just for, for fun. You look at the winners. If you want to look at some analytics in terms of winners, it's alternated between the Metro and the Pacific every year since this format. 2016 Pacific, 2017 Metro, 20, you know, 18 Pacific, 2019 Metro, 2020 Pacific, 2022 Metro. So math and pattern, if you have good pattern recognition, uh, the Pacific is primed for a victory on Saturday afternoon. Uh, something to consider. Uh, Islander I mean, star Bo Horvat. Well, there was a picture, so it's um, you know, it's All Star uh, Media Day today. I was hoping we would have some like comments from Morris or Hellbuck. Might have to wait for tomorrow, but there's a picture of Bo Horvat's podium. I thought he was under pressure and he was playing for Vancouver, but his podium had an Islanders logo. So I don't know what to make about that. Welcome to the Pacific Division, New York Islanders. Um, anyways, a little bit of a mess. And as we mentioned earlier, unfortunately, Tage Thompson injured last night. He won't be playing at the game. His teammate Rasmus Dahlin will be taking over for that. Just before we finish up the cool bet lines, um, you know, we were talking about the money puck odds. If you want to take that and look at great value to win the Stanley Cup, here's where things shake out. The Carolina Hurricanes, who are the favorite by that model, actually tied for third in the odds at 10 to 1, along with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. The Boston Bruins, who are at a 10.1 behind the Carolina Hurricanes, the clear cut favorite right now at 5 to 1. And uh, the Avalanche, as much as they've struggled and been injured so far this season at times, Still the team to beat coming out of the West at plus 625. What's really interesting, though, Remo, is if you look at the top seven teams, five of them are from the West. Um, Colorado's at second at plus 625. Okay, you got the Vegas Golden Knights at 13 to 1, and then Tampa and New Jersey at 15 to 1, I guess along with Edmonton and Dallas right now. Um, and the Jets... The Jets have quietly been creeping up throughout the year, but they've always they've been undervalued. I think for the most part of the first half of the season, um, our preseason number was eighty to one. Then it went to seventy to one. Then it was fifty to one. Even at a time when they were like at or around first place, then it dropped to forty, then thirty three, and now twenty four to one. Um, right there with the Minnesota Wild the Calgary Flames, a little bit back of the New York Rangers. So it's quite clear that the bookies feel the Jets, maybe not quite in that area between 5 and 15 to 1 of the top sort of 8, 9 teams, but right there afterwards. And certainly you can make an argument comparing them to a team like Dallas. They should be there. Um, but the people that are really happy are the ones that got those at a much larger number earlier as the books have finally woken up that the Winnipeg Jets are actually a pretty good team. Yeah, I agree. I think they've kind of been slept on uh, for a while, and we think you know their performance this year as a whole very strong when you look at their record, especially comparing to the other teams. But we have a lot of people in chat here has, who said it was like, has this model seen the Jets? 
over the last 10 games where they're five and five, but even still. Well, that's the you, great thing about models. They don't overreact like fans do to one or yeah. two games. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And to be fair, I mean, um, Dallas and Minnesota haven't exactly been great over the last bit. Colorado surging, Edmonton surging. I mean, even Boston. I mean, they lost a couple recently. They did win last night. So I think, look, it's an 82 game. You go have your ups and downs. Uh, the Jets had it down. Although we did have one chatter or uh, one someone in our comments, and I love when people leave comments after the show if you're watching. He said, you know what? The Jets barely beat a St. Louis team who's missing their three top forwards. Not maybe top or three, you know, top forwards in who Buchnevich, Thomas, and O'Reilly, and they finally woke up after the third period. So, but you know what? Is that fair? Like, no. like, listen. I know if you really want to be negative, you can take that that tack. But I mean, did anyone think the Jets were playing terribly in the first two periods no. of the game, or they just didn't score? I mean, no, I, I I agree with you. I'm just saying what people what people said, and yeah. I think you you can only play like. They can only play who's in front of them. That's who the point was, and they won. Like sometimes oh, and the way that they won. Like, come yeah. on, that that game, and you know you can make excuses for St. Louis. Listen, they lost to the Blackhawks. They lost to a bunch of teams. They're not very good. They're not going to the playoffs this year. But that doesn't change the fact that the Jets were up against it in their biggest slump of the entire season, staring four in a row uh, at four in a row in the loss column heading into the break with uh, a lot of tension around the club and a lot of angst in the building. And thanks to Josh Morrissey's heroics and the rest of the team following the way, they got over that. That that's a, that's a big win, and it doesn't matter who the hell they were playing. The fact that they got it done the way they got it done, I think the team will be in a much better mental state coming back. Because Can you imagine, Remo, if they had just gotten shut out in that game and no. then they went away for 10 or 11 days, the questions and the mood around the team going into that first game? Um, to me, that's been erased. A well-deserved break for a team that has certainly exceeded most people's expectations. And uh, it'll be back to work with Bones when uh, they come back from uh, wherever they're enjoying themselves for these few days while we freeze it out here in the peg. Yeah, it's been, it would have been terrible if they would have lost. Asking questions would have been bad. So they won. Um, the way they won, you know, I saw comments in chat today saying it was the loudest that's building's been since uh, 2018 playoffs. That's some pretty strong words. Also said the first two periods felt like a preseason game in terms of the atmosphere, and you have to wonder how that will change as the season goes on and we move towards playoffs. Well, I'll tell you what. You see a little bit more emotion from players like what Josh Morrissey showed, and I guarantee you the fans will be behind it. Listen, I get the angst, and you made a great point yesterday. I mean, it's very rare. I go to pretty much every single game, although I wasn't in the building on Monday. I'd just gotten back from KC after the first period, so I watched the second and third at home. But, I mean, I can't remember, even like the last couple seasons when the teams really underperformed, I mean, the team really getting booed on home ice. And, you know, they did on Friday, on Saturday night against the against Saturday, uh, the Flyers, and Rick Bonus was asked about that and said, I'm surprised they didn't do more and the team deserved it. So you made a good point that maybe that incited them a little bit when the frustration and the angst was growing when they couldn't score a goal. Uh, but the bottom line, they did. We got good vibes back in the WST chat. And um, 
Certainly, I think the guys will probably have a little bit more enjoyable time away from the rink, knowing that it ended on such a positive note after a pretty trying week. Um, Remo, before we go, um, we were talking baseball with Greg Taggart, but I know you wanted to touch on a little Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame note before we finished up. I do enjoy the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, Hust. Um, just as a baseball fan, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to acknowledge our own great players and they did announce yesterday after the show the 2023 inductees are Jesse Barfield, uh, Danny Boucher, Rich Harden, and Joe uh, Wibachar. Uh, personally, I, I'm a big fan of Rich Harden. I remember him with the A's. He was a huge prospect. He pitched for Canada at uh, international competition, the World Baseball Classic. Could never really stay healthy, but when he was, um, he was always, always great. So I thought it was cool seeing Rich Harden uh, get honored there. I hadn't really thought about Rich Harden in a long time, too, and that's how I know I'm getting old because the players that I, you know, watched are getting into Hall of Fames and stuff like that. So yes, you're a, you're a father now. You've well, moved again, on, uh, and you it, can remember Rich Harden's great. He had a couple great runs. I mean, A's, Cubs. He uh, he was impactful there for a while. Yeah, I mean, I never felt older when he came home from the hospital with the second child. And now when I say stuff to my wife, like, uh, did you check on the kids? Like, I'm saying phrases that I never thought I would ever say. Or like, how how are you with the kids right now? Like, using the phrase, the kids in our to house. To be honest, though. I never thought you'd say that either. <laughs> yeah, no, I never, uh, yeah. Hearing um, that from my own mouth, it's uh, kind of mind-blowing for me. So maybe I'll get used to it someday. Hey, just before we go, uh, check your DM. I just sent you something. Fire this up. Shout out to Bailey for pointing it out. This from Michael Russo. Uh, of course, they've got the uh, players are oh. uh, meeting the media beachside down there in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey doing the media together. Uh, you see somebody's got a microphone in Hellebuck's face. Josh That's Morrissey, a Scott Lachlan, I think. Uh, oh, Scott Lachlan. N- from Sirius XM. Heli, Heli with a great uh, beach look. Couple flamingos on his uh, on his shirt. Josh, a little more subtle, nice white shirt as he sits there. Uh, but for those of you that are listening on the podcast, uh, Connor Hellebuck was asked about uh, his teammate uh, Josh Morrissey, and his quote was, "There's a reason. His nickname right now is Josh Morrissey." So uh, nice to see that's taken off the way that it has, and. Tell you what, 44 has certainly earned the nickname with the way that he's played so far this season. I see they got a lot of BioSteel on the on the table. BioSteel is now the sponsored official... by BioSteel. Yeah, they're the official drink of NHL, replacing Gatorade. I see the BioSteel ads all the time on the digital. They, you know, that's one uh, that's one company that had a terrible digital board ad to start the season. They've really improved it as the season has gone on. That's the stuff that I watch now because. You I know what? Focus. That would be a good Michael Remus segment for the All Star oh. break. The best and worst digital board ads or worst board digital board fiascos over the first fifty-two yeah. games of the season. Theirs was theirs was terrible to start. BioSteel. It was like one drink and like you couldn't even read it. Now they're having multiple different like colors on there. But I've never tried BioSteel. I don't even know is it available. Like I'm. I'm still a Gatorade like, guy. Is it I don't just know about a you. power? Or I guess those things look it's like a they're drink. pre-mixed drinks. Yeah, that's a drink. This is like a Gatorade and Powerade competitor? Yeah, and I think it became popular um, 
Like he used to do the BioSteel like sports camp, like for yeah. Well, hockey. I think it's owned by uh, Zigamanis. Yeah, Mike Zigamanis. Isha Boy Bruce says, "Not gonna lie, it's delicious. I've never had it. I was apparently better for you than Gatorade, and so why all the players started drinking it. But I've never, I've never really like seen it available. Like I get the, I go to Costco, I get the, the twenty four pack of Gatorade. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, well, Theo says that. they have them at Sev. Wow." I miss you. That ever, you somehow. go to Sev often. Have you ever seen BioSteel there? I do, but I'll be honest. That's usually, I mean, rarely, rarely. Like, put it this way: if I'm hitting up the Gatorade or Powerade, it's either four in the morning, and I know that I'm going to need one <laughs> big time when I get up the next day, or maybe sometime in the middle of the summer when you want something more refreshing. Not- I'm I'm usually going to the Fountain, Big Gulp for Life, or Diet Pepsi. Two for five. Grab the quick slams and get out of there. So a lot of positive comments of BioSteel in chat. So there's wow. not they've sponsored. Done, well, they've done a lot of uh, done a lot of advertising. They've got a pretty good uh, BioSteel team of some pretty uh, excellent up and coming athletes in a number of sports. And if I'm not mistaken, Taylor Pishke, who of course was the um, the beach volleyball player and volleyball player from Winnipeg, signed to Team BioSteel, and I'm pretty sure that's where she met. Her fiance, are they married yet? Tom Wilson of the uh, the Washington yeah. Capitals was at the BioSteel camp. So uh, oh. there you go. There's a little BioSteel tidbit uh, that could also make TMZ. See, this is why they put the BioSteel there, so we can sit here and talk about it and talk about how they've improved their board ad over the course of the season. <laughs> that's that's my main take on BioSteel. Uh, yeah, well, listen, I will try it, and it I think. I do know that they had a powder. I think maybe it was on Amazon or something I saw. You can get it and you just mix it with the water. But uh, Vermet, many people saying good to go for BioSteel. So, yes, maybe we will try it. I, although I've kind of passed my peak athletic performance at this point in life. But, uh, hey, you know, you never know when you might need it. Um, anyways, by the way, Remo, looking good in that hat, folks. If you haven't uh, checked out the new, that is the uh, Bomber blue and gold version of the WST hat, the only one that has the word mark instead of the logo. Uh, check that out online at winnipegsportstalk.com slash store. And I do know the latest run of our new era uh, hats are available over at Royal Sports. So check those out when uh, when you head into Royal at some point soon. Um, that's going to do it for us tomorrow on the program. Is Cancun Kenny going to be joining us tomorrow, Reem? Okay, so last week he said that he would, depending on the Wi-Fi. And then I texted him earlier this week. I'm like, hey, Ken, are you good for Friday? And then he wrote, um, just, land- just landed in Cancun and then never said he was good. But never said. Well, I'm gonna fingers crossed up. that Cancun Kenny will join us. Should I text him right now? Visit, for his weekly visit. Well, well, you know what? It's a tease. We hope to have Ken tomorrow on the program. Well, I got to um, check with him anyways so we know. Yeah, and then we're also going to hopefully maybe get someone on in and around the All-Star game to fill us in on what's happened. We'll try and get some audio from Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck and get ready for the big weekend. Um, and, of course, uh, we'll get Lee Hacksaw Hamilton to jump on as well to get his thoughts on the big championship games. Uh, and a lot of news, coaching-wise and whatnot, around the NFL as well. Thanks to Brandon Rewicki, Murata Tesh, and the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Greg Taggart. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. Make sure to hit that thumbs-up button if you're with us live on YouTube. 
press that red subscribe button and not join us daily Monday to Friday, uh, 1 to 3, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have an awesome evening, everyone. Stay warm. Don't worry, it's getting warmer. We'll do it up, and we'll warm it up getting into the weekend tomorrow on WST. We'll see you then. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.